No. You, why would you do that? Get a homeless guy. What are you doing? <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins, joined as always by the voice of Cinema Sins, Jeremy Scott. Yo. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hello. And we are continuing our series of best of the years. We've been alive and we're at 2014. Everything is awesome. No, I, th- I thought it'd be funny. Was it funny? No, wait, what did he look like hopping around? Take your hands off my lobby boy. Were you rushing or were you dragging? Cool girl is hot. Cool girl is gay. Cool girl is fun. Popularity is the slutty little cousin of prestige. Where did Captain America learn how to steal a car? I'm thinking I'm back. Oh, I'm uh, Sam Jackson, you know, from Jackie Brown. I mean, I'm not listening to you guys fornicate all night long. Thrusting. Okay. And pumping. I thought your hip popped out at one point. That was like only two years ago. The fuck are we going to do after this? <laughs> See, here's the thing that's frustrating me the last couple of weeks, and it's only going to get worse, is that the closer we get to modern year, the fewer of these movies I've seen. Yeah. Because I've had, you know, 16 years to see what came out in 2000, but mm-hmm. I've only had two years to see everything that came out in 2014. So I'm, I'm ashamed to say there are several in this year that are probably going to be discussed that I haven't gotten to yet. Yeah, and 2014 yeah. was the first year that I was completely away from the movie theater the entire year. Yeah. So like the yeah, I don't I didn't see a lot of these small ones that came out. Although I've seen I've seen most of the bigger ones. Mm. But yeah, as 2014, 2015 and this year it's harder and harder to get to a theater and all that and watch everything like it used to. Yeah. Um, so 2014, what immediately uh, stands out to me is the movie that got nominated for Best Picture and was the top grocer of 2014, American Sniper. Ooh. Um, Somehow a controversial movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the main thing is is that his book is one way and the movie portrays him a little bit more heroically or i guess i don't know it, a little bit more heroically than the book does even though it's he wrote the book or whatever yeah um isn't it in the book that he says he just loved killing people and that's the reason why he was a sniper i remember something about that and yeah. so and in this movie it makes him look like he's a conflicted guy mm. he doesn't want to do this and he still does it despite that and he's still amazing at it so I think that's his politics, his own politics got into yeah. this whole uh, debate about American Sniper. Well, and probably Clint Eastwood's politics, too. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine well so. Either, in, in either case, I don't really care about the politics. The movie itself is very good. I like Bradley Cooper so much yeah. in this movie. And I had seen Silver Linings Playbook, but I gained a bunch of respect for him as an actor in mm-hmm. this movie. Uh, because whether or not it was the way it happened in real life... Uh, the movie makes you believe and feel his conflictedness, yeah. right? Because everywhere he goes in the U.S., people know who he is, and they like want to shake his hand. They treat him like a celebrity. Yeah. All these other former soldiers, and it makes him so uncomfortable because he's he has PTSD back to, you know. And of course, that one scene, the the tense scene from the trailer mm-hmm. where he's not sure whether or not he should shoot this kid. Um, 
a kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, he shoots the first guy who has like a bazooka. Right. And then the kid just sees the bazooka on the ground. And goes to like he's going to pick it up. Yeah. And he's like, don't do it. You yeah. know? Yeah. And everything. That was a perfect trailer. I mean, oh, yeah. that yeah. immediately was, you know, what got everybody into that. You know, I'm going to watch that movie. Um, and of course it has, and, and then I guess you can also say, I don't know if there was real controversy about this, but I think it's always controversial when you play, uh, war movies as like an action movie mm. as thrilling type of like exhilarating type things when it's really a real thing that happened or whatever. Mm. But there's a great scene in there where he's got to kill this one guy and he's like, you know, however many miles away that guy right. is and he's barely able to see him. It is a fantastic scene, even though if it didn't really happen that exact same way in real life, uh, we got sort of get into that Argo argument again. Yeah. Uh, but I, that's just one of those things, you know, okay. I know that's not the way it really went down, but still, even so that's a great scene. Yeah. And like Argo, this movie doesn't give enough credit to the Canadians. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it really. That was a thing. That, that was another part of the controversy that we uh, didn't talk about. You know, it's interesting watching Bradley Cooper's career trajectory. Mm -hmm. I really think he has David O. Russell to thank for, you know, his latter day success because he was such a pretty face, mm -hmm. you know? And he was funny. He was great in the Hangover movies, or the first Hangover movie. Yeah. And he was almost typecast as the aw shucks boy next door from Alias. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing that blew my mind, because I knew him from Alias right. for the longest time. And then when he started showing up in movies, I was like, what is this asshole doing? Yeah. What does he think he's doing? I mean, he's not, <laughs> not going to be able to break that Alias And stuff. the Hangover did it in a big way for me. Yeah. That was because he was an asshole in that movie. Yeah. And I was, that, that broke the mold finally for me. Yeah. I mean, he was a lovable asshole, and then he was a super asshole in Wedding Crashers. Mm -hmm. um, and then now he's just this prestige actor that gets invited to the BET yeah. <laughs> presentation in <laughs> yeah. the White House. But, uh, I mean, he's he's incredible in this. And he, like, just, it's almost a breakout, even though he had a, a previous breakout sure. in the in the Silver Linings playbook. It, this was Hustle. his, this movie was his, I think, stepping into the A-list actors society. Clooney territory, really. Yeah, well, I, think he's, I think he's almost there. Yeah. The Rocket Raccoon doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. that's true, yeah. And Sienna Miller. Yeah, I was about to say, she is unrecognizable in this like she's I, a great I, actress i watched this whole movie going who is this yeah. who is this yeah. i'd seen sienna miller in several you know hundreds of movies yeah and i was just like who is this who's this and finally like about three quarters of the way through i was like i think this is sienna miller <laughs> i think this is yeah. sienna miller and she's amazing in it yeah she's great yeah um it's the same type of thing that we had at la la land when tom everett scott shows up at the end <laughs> and he looks like an aged version of Tom Everett Scott, and we were both thinking, like, is that him? Yeah, wow. Yeah, I think that's him. <laughs> yeah, and she had a she had sort of a uh, she had a great year this year because she's also in Foxcatcher mm -hmm. as well. Um, so American Sniper was the biggest hit. We also we can run, we can also go straight to Guardians of the Galaxy. Since sure. That's another Bradley Cooper, yeah. but he's an animated fox, and that he had one. a pretty good uh, animated raccoon. He had a pretty good box office year. Mm. Yeah, he did. Guardians of the Galaxy is really fun. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the same year Winter Soldier came out. Yeah, it right? is. So we're, I'm I'm going to talk about both at the same time for a second. Mm -hmm. and say it's not, I didn't hate them. Yeah. Right. Like we 
talk a, a lot about how much we didn't like Winter Soldier as much as the masses. Right. But I still give it a B, right? Mm-hmm, B minus. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was terrible. Same with Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I actually like this one a lot more than Winter Soldier, but I still don't want to sex it like all the Marvel fanboys do. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think it's the next Star Wars and all that stuff that people were saying around the time of its release. Um, but I really find it enjoyable, and a lot of it has to do with uh, the lead, yeah, whose Chris name Pratt. I just blanked on. Yeah, Chris yeah. Pratt. Chris Pratt. I mean, it it taps into the the second half of the Avengers that we were talking about, the fun part of yeah. the Marvel movie, even at the the climax, basically. It turns into like he mimes a dance battle, yeah, yeah. dance off, <laughs> which is great, man. Like that's the kind of tongue in cheek look at superheroes that makes that made Marvel enjoyable in the first place. It's it, the whole differentiation between that and something like Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, have some sense of humor, self awareness. Yeah, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is the reason why I think Marvel should be able to take more risks than they do. Yeah, they. All, you know, the classic thing about Ant-Man yeah. and everything with Edgar Wright and all that is that it wasn't enough. It wasn't Marvel enough. So they had to go and, you know, make sure that it was like ev- looked like everything else and all that. But Guardians of the Galaxy, I I mean, that you saw the trailer the first time. You're like, oh, OK, well, that'll be a Marvel movie that doesn't really hit. Yeah. I mean, it'll it might be kind of funny or whatever. And and then it just goes to show the brand itself is so, you know, amazing that people will go give it a chance. The yeah. same thing goes for Ant-Man. And I just wish just once they would say, OK, awesome director that we got to hire you know we hired to do this do your thing because our marvel name is bigger than anything that we make it look like and that's why i thought ant-man could have been a big big you know like huge departure from all that other stuff and instead it's just "Eh, okay yeah i see some things here and Mm -hmm. there we'll get into more ant-man on the next week but yeah uh, but Guardians of the Galaxy is the proof to that. Yeah. And that's why I wish more movies could be like that in well, this universe. Yeah. And they have a, a really good ability to find the right leads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, Robert Downey Jr. was plucked from, you know, his downward spiral uh, to be an Iron Man. And Chris Pratt, yeah. I mean, who is most famous at this point for Parks and Recreation, mm-hmm. uh, getting all jacked. Yeah. And what a great engaging lead. And then they struck gold with Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk and everything. And even Black Widow, you could take, you know, say it was a, was a good casting choice. So, I mean, they're on point with it. I, I keep making the comparison to DC, but like Henry Cavill as Superman mm-hmm. is, I I just don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and there's no, there's no humor. There's no wit. There's no of that uh, Christopher Reeve type of Superman. Mm. Uh, this is just much more in- enjoyable because of the the main characters, I think. And let's not forget, they got Vin Diesel again to do uh, yeah. voice, which he was great in Iron Giant. Uh-huh. And he really didn't sort of do that. I, I feel like Vin Diesel could have made a whole living, a side sure. living from just doing <laughs> this voice acting sure. work. It took him forever to finally just be the voice of Groot in this and everything. And he's it's two out of two for me as far oh, as yeah. being awesome, you know, animated voice. I mean, well, it's not much of a departure from Iron Giant because he's still, yeah. you know, not doesn't say much, but yeah. <laughs> but it's it's still great. Well, and uh, I don't I think if you if you didn't know Bradley Cooper was the voice of the raccoon, I don't think you'd peg it because it so sounds different than mm-hmm. the way he normally does when he talks. Um, anyway, yeah, so I really like it, and I hope that they... My, my only concern, like, the trailers for Guardians 2 are outstanding, mm-hmm. um, and I hope it keeps going in this direction. I'm so concerned that they're going to try and merge 
with the Infinity War movies from the Avengers that it's going to homogenize the Guardians that, you know, we got this time out. I hope I hope not, because I know they love James Gunn. Uh, I know they're letting him have rope. And I know that he hasn't even decided yet, but they're trying to get him to sign on to direct the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, so my gut tells me this will keep going in this unique, fun direction. Uh, but I really like that one. Yeah. It's interesting that this was the movie that they introduced Thanos in. I mean, I don't know if they knew it was going to be the success that it was. Well, well he was. Yeah, he had a, a credit scene at the, had, yeah, that's right. at yeah. the end of Avengers, but like. I, I know this is the first time he was actually shown as a character, I guess. Yeah, and, and that was the one point that almost took me out of the movie because he's so cartoony. Uh, it yeah. basically took any of the features that Josh Brolin has, that big face and the chin and everything. Yeah. They're like, let's put some CG on that shit yeah. and make it even more goofy. Not to say that Josh Brolin is goofy looking, but. Yeah. No, no. Um, anyway, should we stay on Marvel for a minute and yeah. talk Winter Soldier? Go for Winter Soldier. Man. Um, not bad. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't think it's the best Marvel movie, like almost everybody seems to think, at least until Civil War, and Mm -hmm. I also don't think that's the best Marvel movie. Um, I don't think it's quite the spy thriller it sets itself out to be, uh, but I'd give it a B, a B minus. I don't hate it. It's just, you know, kind of there for me. This universe, at least the Captain America films more than the others, feels so sterile, Mm. feels so fake and harmless, and I struggle to connect to that. And, you know, just because... What, you give me a Robert Redford is evil twist? <laughs> I'm going to like call this a great spy movie? I don't really understand. Yeah, his his presence in this movie, I think, I don't I don't know if that's how the filmmakers, the Russo brothers, like came out and said this is a spy movie or whatever, but or, or a, um, a paranoia thriller like we saw in the 70s, because Redford was in a lot of those in yeah. the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're responsible for that, but that was... Uh, the, all the story I heard about this is this is kind of like those paranoia thrillers. And I watched it under that sort of uh, thought process. And I was just like, no, <laughs> no, it's nowhere near that no. at all. You were, you're, you're comparing this to three days, of the condor and no, it's not. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. not that. That's exactly what happened. You have right? a flash drive. That's yeah. what you have. <laughs> right. That's it. This movie was so built up for me uh, because you could tell that they were at least trying to go for something that was, you know, with both of these films, they were yeah. going for something that, you know, we hadn't seen before and they mostly su- succeeded, but I was just so excited and I left the theater. And I was like, everybody loves this. Meh. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like, <laughs> am I a bad person for well, thinking man? <laughs> and there were so many things involving. So Toby Jones plays Zola in this and there's so many things I don't, I, yeah, I don't like the fact that he's in this bunker basically just waiting for somebody <laughs> to come in and like see. And he, he just, unearth all the secrets why would you do that yeah. why would you i don't care if you're gonna get bombed later don't you know that these guys are superheroes they get out of this shit all the time black and, widow has a gun yeah she does she can get out of anything but like i am i got really upset when they said he went back and found bucky after he got thrown off that fucking train yep. in the first one it's like First off, you barely even know who Bucky what knew but who Bucky was. You didn't even I mean, he was just a random guy getting thrown yep. off the train in that sequence. You weren't like, oh, Captain America really loves Bucky. Yeah. I'm gonna go all the way through the mountains <laughs> to go retrieve his frozen body and turn him into a super soldier. No, you why would you do that? Get a homeless guy. What are you doing? <laughs> and then in Civil War they show all these other assholes yeah. that have been training up too. Right. 
And I was just like, no, 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 no. Well, and that Bucky shit becomes so important to yeah. everything in this Marvel Universe, right? All of Civil War is still about Bucky mm -hmm. and whether yeah. or not he's evil and how much Captain America loves him. And yeah. I'm hoping at least one of these movies he can pick a side and stay there. And again, I didn't, I didn't respond to these action scenes at all. Was very Had a hard time with those things. They're still confusing to me. I don't. I'll never, I'll never get what I want. By the way, I know that for a fact. That I'll never get an action scene that's constructed where I can see everything, and there's not 50 million edits. Yeah, going and on, and they're still punching each other. Yeah, just you know, randomly. What did they hope to accomplish? Well, this and is and the, then there's dude. a point where Captain America's in a bus, and he's getting he, every bullet that goes in there misses him, yeah. and everything. I just, I don't like that. I'm sorry, it just doesn't doesn't resonate with me. But you're like you said, there's enough good in it to say yeah okay it's de a decent movie yeah but not like oh that's the best of all time um <laughs> yeah so. i don't even know how the collective fan base decided that because i, I see the same kind of thing i see in the avengers and age of ultron and civil war i don't hate it yeah it's, it's not a bad time but i'm not gonna yeah. whip out my dick oh, and yeah. start playing with myself <laughs> right. about it. Like, yeah, like we do in most movies. <laughs> right. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's I mean, very distracting during La La Land, by the way. It very, very much is. You can't do that in a sold-out place. Like, uh, but like, uh, yeah, it's not like I'm sitting there watching it like it's Transformers and you're just like, your head just starts like falling <laughs> exactly. off your neck because you're just like, oh my God, <laughs> this is so bad. I can't stand it. It's, it's more just, it's more just, okay. And it's just decent. I think I'm always being told this is more than it is. Right. And that's the problem. Mm -hmm. And maybe if I could just have watched this organically and not have any hype before it or whatever, would have been a little bit of a different situation. Mm -hmm. so. Speaking of Transformers, mm -hmm. had another one of those movies in 2014. We Yay! sure did. The Mark Wahlberg one. Yes. Uh, I, I don't really remember this movie at all. It's awful. I <laughs> watched it when we sinned it. There's, I hated it. And now it's gone. There's about a 10-minute scene where a guy uh, proves to Mark Wahlberg that the relationship he's in with his daughter doesn't violate uh the oh, statute statutory that's right. laws that's right. there's about a 10 minute no it's probably less than that but it feels like 10 minutes because they're sitting there talking about like texas code and <laughs> all right. this other stuff I forgot and, I was, about that. and it was like it was like yeah I, I i didn't really care about this to to, to begin with but now that you brought it to the <laughs> forefront it's really fucking creepy man and now you're coming out with all the laws like can you imagine like if you were like dating somebody like well look Look, it says here in the in the law <laughs> in this book here i can date this girl you know it's like in state and maine when the agent colson guys oh, like, yeah. <laughs> making accusations about alec ball when david paver comes down with a book and starts rattling off it's <laughs> like yeah. you travel with the rape statue <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly that's exactly right um oh that was the uh that was a video that we uh, ended up having to cut into two because it was 30 minutes long yeah jesus uh and and there were moments where you're like well maybe i should cut this and cut that and whatever and and then finally just realized no no it's really that bad we also did a bunch of bonus rounds we did a bonus right? round for the flags that were all in it <laughs> yeah um and then i think the explosions, the explosions. 
And uh, yeah, we we I think once we realized it was going to get to two videos that we just went ahead and went bonkers on yeah. the bonus <laughs> round with it. It's just a shitty, shitty movie. <laughs> I, 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 and then they're making. Yeah, they're making this other one. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of Chris Pratt, two movies ago, the Lego movie also came out. So Whoa. this was a big year for Chris Pratt yes, and Bradley Cooper. What a fantastic movie this is. Yes. Um, and 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 more proof that every time we roll our eyes at a terrible announced movie, we should remember things like this mm-hmm. or the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, because I rolled my eyes hard when I saw they're making a Lego movie, mm-hmm. and then they got somehow the perfect guys to do it, Lord yeah. and Miller, and the perfect voice cast. They went over the top with the wackiness. The humor is just winning and then at the end there's that gut punch of heart when will ferrell shows up yeah and has that moment with his son oh my god i love this movie so much i could watch it anytime yeah it's uh it's super ridiculous and fast just like so quick with everything i the scene that always makes me laugh is when the like uh, Allison uh, Brie unicorn character, yeah. Oh, yeah. Unikitty, Unikitty, <laughs> uh, is like in that boardroom meeting or whatever, and he, she's like basically wasting all everybody's time, and she, and then like she, I can't remember what she asked them to do, but they're all like, well, say yay or nay or whatever, and they're like yay, and she's like yay, and they cut, they cuts her off right in the middle of that yay, you know, <laughs> and it comes straight to the next thing, but like every story they tell, like just everything's like. <laughs> you know it's the quick it's so quick and when you watch it you know you have to you watch it multiple times you you catch a whole bunch of stuff you didn't catch before i think the biggest laugh for me is early on when he first sees wild style and he's in mid-sentence and it just goes uh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) for like 20 seconds it just goes on and on and i'm i don't i know it's coming but it surprises me and i love how she just makes a super point to like i have a boyfriend and it's super serious and (laughs) everything you know who turns out to be batman yes oh when batman gets into the Millennium Falcon and he's yeah. like babe I gotta have space yeah. <laughs> yeah. amazing what this does though is taps in we were talking about in the last episode tapping into your childhood and everything I played the fuck out of some Legos when mm-hmm. I was growing up and the way that they put this all together and where you, you build things and your master builders and everything there's always a way out by building I love that so much man yeah that, that just hits me right in the heart and but, the hilarious Superman hates Green Lantern. Yes. Green Lantern is like a little puppy dog yeah. following him around. Like everything has touches of humor in it that yeah. a, a lesser movie would yeah. just ignore. Yeah. yeah, and it's got the minor characters like Charlie Day doing Benny the Spaceman yeah. and that whole montage at the end of him screaming "Spaceship, Spaceship!" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was I was rolling in my seat with that. It's so great. Well, and and it sets up great for this Batman Lego movie that's yeah. coming out. Will Arnett, of course, is obviously perfect perfect to play and galifianakis you know. is pretty good pick for the joker too. yeah absolutely and uh so i'm all over that when that comes out because yeah. this is they've they built a pretty good brand with that first movie yeah uh but i yeah it's so funny and so good um maybe the emoji movie will be just as good i hope so <laughs> They have talented people working on that. I'll I will uh, round out the top ten in box office here. Number two was Hunger Games: Mockingjay Part One, Boo. another movie that did not need to be two yep. parts, but you know, money. 
Um, <laughs> then the Hobbit, the Battle of Five Armies, talk about even more. You know, yeah, talk about. And we've already talked about that. Um, and then then there's Maleficent, which is the you know an, another Disney like let's take a like a twisted look at an old fairy tale and yeah. from her perspective and all that. You know that, what's funny though? Didn't like that movie. You didn't like it at no. all. I thought I went into this with the lowest expectations. Yeah, I was a little bit pleasantly surprised. It's not a good movie. It's not a great movie. But it was a little better than I thought it was going to be. Mm. It's basically like, and I think I might have said this before, but it's like they, we might have even put it in the Sins video. It's like they saw the success of Wicked mm -hmm. and said, who do we have mm -hmm. on our roster we can do that with? Yeah. 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 And they went with Maleficent. Mm -hmm. And they're going to make a damn sequel to this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of Marvel, but not in the MCU, X-Men Days of Future Past came out, which I thought wasn't very good. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I'm also not high on it. I would actually probably rate Winter Soldier a little yeah. higher than this. I, yeah, I agree a with that. A lot of people really like this because it it set it reset X Men and it basically said those Wolverine movies didn't work, didn't didn't matter, and X Men three didn't didn't really come out anymore, and everything. So they, I I just I wasn't I didn't like it. It was another one of those where it's just too much going on all yeah. at once. And yeah, too many characters, yeah. too many everything. How just, many times am I supposed to be awed by seeing Magneto pick up a structure that humans can't live? Oh right, that's the thing. I've and, seen it and a this bunch. Is, yeah. And this is that cast that we love from X-Men First Class, right. married to the other X-Men cast and everything, but man, oh man, well, yeah, so that, much stuff. That's the problem, is that these X-Men movies, the first x-men and then uh first class had a lot of characters to deal with mm -hmm. but not too many to where it got overbearing and they did a really good job of of keeping that balance and when you mash those two together you're gonna have a too many hero too many villain situation on your hands plus this is this is another movie that taps into my like time travel mm -hmm. um like bullshit meter like I don't understand why the things that happen in 1960s are concurrent with the things that happen in the future. Like shouldn't like as soon as you send like Wolverine back, yep. everything's done because yes. now you're back to I mean isn't that the way that's the way I see it. No, anyway, you have to wait in that cave or whatever yeah. with her holding his brain in suspension yeah the whole time he's in the 60s right now, like now weeks now maybe that's what they're saying is that because she has to hold him there that's the reason why everything's concurrent but mm. if you're changing the past don't you change the future automatic i feel like yeah, you change the, the future automatically when you do that yeah i mean if it's on an endless loop kind of yeah. conceptualization that you know we had to have this memory implanted into our brains to be able to go back and change it and mm -hmm. that is the actual reality and that is fixed yeah they're gonna succeed in doing this um but yeah i, I don't think they really conceptualize no no it like i mean, that. I think I mean for a movie to work it has to do that yeah, look I'm, I'm not i'm not being stupid here that no like, but it's bothersome but it it bothers me yeah. every time when when like stuff in the past is concurrent with yep. the stuff in the future, and it doesn't make sense I to me. I do love that first moment Wolverine whip, whips out his claws and looks down to see the oh, bone yeah. instead of adamantium. Yeah. That's just a great moment. That uh, is a great moment. So it's not without merit. Uh, no. It's just not as much fun as the previous one and not anywhere near as bad as the next one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does give us the first of probably many Quicksilver moments, mm -hmm. uh, which was awesome oh, oh yeah god yeah that's the best part of the movie I mean, evan easily. peters is is uh, talk about casting man. yeah that is a great casting decision and 
the way that they shoot it and the way that they edit it and everything is just so cool to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's the best part of the movie, absolutely. and it's just one of those things where, like, I could, I, I wish they would just go ahead and make the Quicksilver yeah. movie. <laughs> you know, they've got to be thinking about that, right? Somewhere they got to be thinking. But every time Quicksilver's in any of these movies, even in the MCU. They're like, let's find a way to get this very powerful character out of the way so that he doesn't, because he could really just change this whole thing by himself, yeah, probably. It's like the Peter Petrelli problem when Heroes had on mm-hmm. the TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once yeah. they basically gave him every power known to man, they're like, well, fuck, no one's going to be able to defeat him. <laughs> yeah. Let's strip him of all his powers. Right, yeah. You just made a Heroes reference. That's awesome. I did. Man, the first season of Heroes had so Fucking much promise. Oh, yes. so good. I never lived up, it never lived up to it, but oh, it had so much potential. What a so great good. cast, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, rounding out the top 10, Big Hero 6. Ah, yeah. great movie. Yeah, very, yeah. very good. This continues uh, Disney without Pixar being good in the computer animation department. I still believe that Lasseter gives all the good stuff to them now and, yeah. and, and Pixar gets Might shafted. Be the case. Um, but this is great. And, uh, yeah. and another, another, uh, a voice from a guy named Scott Adsit, who's been in like a ton of stuff. Um, Mr. Show was one of the last <laughs> ones that I remember, whatever, but he was also in 30 Rock. But another guy that you don't really think about as a star or anything like that, he's the big... Uh, he's the know, voice of Baymax? He's the voice of Baymax. Oh, man. Well, and like Guardians uh, of the Galaxy, this is based on a, a very recent comic yeah. series um, that, that few people before the movie had much knowledge of. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Boy, it just it shows you how many different ways you can succeed adapting comic book and hero material, right? You mm-hmm. put Guardians, Winter Soldier, if you call that a success on some level, and then Big Hero 6, like just wildly different approaches. Yeah. Um, this movie I didn't actually catch in theaters. Uh, when it came out on home video, my wife was like, let's check this out. And I was just charmed. I think that night I tweeted out a gif of Baymax doing the fist bump <laughs> because I was just giggling so hard and haven't seen it. Uh, it's very charming, short and sweet. Um, I It doesn't hold up in the Sins video context, but I love the merging of Japanese culture with San Francisco yep. uh, architecture and land layout. Mm-hmm. It was a very cool kind of future looking place. San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a very emotional movie too. It's got a lot of Iron Giant, uh, yeah. you know, overlays and everything. But yeah, I, I saw this with my son, and we were both crying by the end. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. I was like, yeah. God damn it! Why do you have to do that? Um. All right, but there are a lot of like pretty good big movies that came out. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, oh, which yeah. I yeah, the, I loved Rise, and I was like, I'm gonna be a little skeptical about the sequel coming out and everything, but. Man, they hit it out of the park again, and it was an. It's another. It's another great one. Another it really is, and they got somebody just as good as Andy Serkis to hold their own against him, and the guy that plays Koba with mm-hmm. the motion performance capture. Uh, he's evil, of course, so you don't root for him <laughs> quite as much. But uh, performance-wise, you really feel the rise of Koba's evilness, and then the relationship and what drives them apart. Um, it's weird. I've seen this movie a bunch because mm-hmm. HBO was running it like crazy for several months. And I just I think my favorite moment in the entire movie, even above that spinning tank shot, which is incredible, is that quiet moment right after they get the dam turned back on and the guy starts playing Take a Load Off Annie in the gas station. Mm-hmm. And they're all hearing music for the first time in so long. Yeah. And it's just such, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps right now. <laughs> yeah. Because everyone in that scene acts perfectly mm-hmm. as the way you would if you hadn't heard music in ages. Yeah. It's uh, it's Toby Cabell or to- Toby Kebble that did Koba. 
Uh, but you're right. It's uh, another guy who's who's uh, really I mean, they, that's two great like adversaries, yeah. you know, facing off on that. And um, and yeah, I love the fact that they have differences of an opinion like it's easy to do i mean i don't know it's easy to imagine that oh well they're all gonna have the same they're all going to be against humans or whatever but you know it's he you know they have the fight they were like there are a lot of great humans and everything like, no all of them are bad we gotta kill them all you know and everything like that <laughs> great conflict why can't this is a smart movie it, mm-hmm. it's looking more deeply into how these things would go down uh in an entertaining way Versus something like a Transformers movie where it's like, hey, we're going to have some more robots with some manufactured conflict with humans. Yeah. And let's just throw it up there and see what happens. Like, it, it, they think a little bit more about this and it makes it so much more of a success. Well, you and know? they give you a reason to see why the characters would do what they do, right? Like, Koba's story goes back to Rise, yeah. where he's abused mm. and mistreated in that facility. Um, but even Jason Clark versus Gary Oldman's, uh, yeah. you, know, you can kind of sympathize both ways. Um, and I think that's what makes it a richer experience. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love that movie. All right. Well, Jeremy mentioned Zach Galifianakis recently, and uh, he was in Birdman uh, yeah. this year. Yeah, that one, that one best picture. That one best picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you guys think about Birdman? I love Birdman. Yeah? Yeah. I liked Birdman. Uh-huh. I yeah. did not love it. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. It mm-hmm. is so. You know what it is? It it produces that first hour in particular is so fast mm-hmm. that it's almost anxiety producing. Mm-hmm. Like there's no break. There's no letdown. And some of that is because of the whole continuous shot mode that they they're they're going for for the whole thing. And it won for best cinematography too mm-hmm. because that is un- amazing. I mean, yeah. Of course they they had a lot of tricks on how they did it and everything, mm. but. When it finally slows down a little bit and you get Michael Keaton uh, a little time to really break things down, especially towards the the latter half of the movie where he's sitting and he's taking a break and talking to Emma Stone, his daughter, Mm -hmm. and he's just like, I haven't slept in... at all. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, you know, it's, it's a movie about movie making and acting and playmaking and stuff like that, which is obviously popular with the Academy. But... Uh, overall, it's just a huge win for me. It's just really nerve-wracking to get through. How much of this works because it's Michael Keaton playing the role and he was iconic as Batman? And so they have, there's a real-life backstory yeah. parallel to his character's I think, backstory. I think it's something that adds to it, but I don't, I don't necessarily think his Batman experience makes this movie any better or worse. Okay. Um, I think it's a fun thing to look into because obviously he was Batman and here he is playing Birdman or yeah. whatever. And like even in the original Batman, Joker says something about, oh, there's the Birdman. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, getting beyond the the, you know, you could call it a gimmick of the continuous shot and everything. I just like all the performances uh, of this. This is just a performance piece. It is. Basically, it's not really a story piece. Is Ed Norton playing? the impression we all have of I Ed think Norton. So. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Like, do you like think it was a version. knowing thing for him where he was like, I'm going to finally be what they all say I am? Or mm-hmm. do you think it was just kind of uh, oblivious to him and he's just playing I don't think he's oblivious. No. And it, this movie is so self-aware. One of the parts that I love about it is how many casual references to actual Hollywood mm-hmm. that they make. It yeah. just like, when they start trending or something like that, they're like, oh, we're going to give birth to Justin Bieber here. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. When he's going through, he's like, get me this actor. Get me this. Give me the the guy that was in the Hurt Locker. Who was that? Jeremy Renner. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, give yeah, me that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but yeah, uh, Jeremy's right. It, this movie is very weird, especially towards the end when he's like, you know, he's on the top of the building and the one, the one woman's like, are you making a movie or is this real? <laughs> he's like, it's a film. <laughs> and then he just flies yeah. off. And, but, but the thing is, I always feel like all the fantasy stuff in this, and this is, this is just me. I feel like that really is in his head. Mm-hmm. And and especially in that scene, because by the end of it, if you notice, he flies down to a sidewalk or whatever, and he goes into the uh, into the theater and a taxi driver comes out yeah. and says, hey, you didn't pay, man. Exactly. And I feel like all that stuff that that we see that's fantasy is just him thinking of that. And I think I think wishing he be. wishing he could be exactly. Birdman. Yeah, because that's where he breaks. That's yeah. after like he's just been drinking and going crazy. Oh, all night, yeah. Falls asleep on that. Stoop. And even by the end of it, where, you know, he apparently flies out of his hospital room and Emma Stone looks up and yeah. smiles and everything. That's still, I believe, him thinking that. I yeah. don't, don't think that has, you know, I mean, yeah, you can interpret it both ways. I'm pretty sure that's the way they made this movie so that you make it sound like, OK, maybe he really was Birdman man that's exactly what what they intended what alexander g in your says is that he wanted to leave it up because it it actually went through a rewrite Mm -hmm. uh there was a there was a original ending had uh michael keaton on charlie rose and it panned back to johnny depp putting on the wig to Mm -hmm. play michael keaton playing that yeah Uh, so it was all very weird but my interpretation we've already spoiled it um but my interpretation is that he died on stage mm-hmm. and that this was like a death dream because yeah. you see that meteor going up and everything and that, you know, all this like he's a, a raging success and he's got his daughter back and everything, everything resolved. And like, you know, it's making peace with everything. Yeah, and, absolutely. And when he flies off, that that's basically man, it. I'm such a I'm such a sucker. I'm such an optimist. Yeah. Like I, I see that shot with Emma Stone looking outside and having that wonder on her face and I look back and go, I think the filmmakers wanted me to think it was fake mm-hmm. and wanted everybody around him to think it was fake. And then I feel like that last Emma Stone shot is the, is the filmmaker saying, but what if it was real? Yeah. And that's enough for me to, to choose to interpret the movie as though he was Bergman, mm-hmm. yeah. even yeah. though it's the exact opposite of the way you guys. See well, it. no, I mean, I, because you can watch it both ways and I love it either way. Like, you know, I've, I've seen this probably about three times and each time. I, I just I feel differently every mm-hmm. time that I watch it. And oh, it's so great. I just love that there's a piece of movie making out there in this year that challenges you to think yeah. like that instead of just saying like, eh, here we go. Yeah, Something I like don't have any problem with it being best picture winner and uh i can see it as artistry i just didn't fall in love with it mm. i liked it i think yeah. i think had american sniper not had the controversy quote unquote that it had it would have easily in fact i'm surprised it didn't mm. uh ultimately when when it all comes down to it it made the most money it was the biggest high profile um oscar but um but yeah i mean i'm it's uh, it is an amazing that's a, a different kind of movie for yeah. oscar to pick as best picture and i'm glad that they did now i know that there are a lot of people who hate birdman and it's just too weird and whatever and you know i mean that's your no it's not for everybody it's not for everybody i so. do love edward edward norton's performance in this oh though. he's so good he is balls out man yeah oh so yeah good. absolutely uh, almost literally balls out <laughs> yeah he's, he's several times there's yeah, balls out. he's like telling naomi watts let's really do it let's do it on stage <laughs> he gets out of the bed and he's got he's got the huge heart on <laughs> and then michael keaton comments on it. he's like you really think it's huge yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh all right 
Whiplash. Yes. Ah, yes. Man, this movie surprised me. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I guess I just avoided details somehow. Mm-hmm. And so I went in after award season expecting two great performances and a story about an overbearing band teacher. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is for about four-fifths of the way through. And then the ending blew my goddamn mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to the point where I'm not even sure I want to spoil it, except that it, it is a roller coaster of an ending that surprises you twice, I think. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a guy, Damien Chazelle, who I believe is, I mean, along with Denis Villeneuve and all these guys that have, have emerged in this decade, they're going to be our next guys mm-hmm. that we look forward to everything that they come out with. Um, this movie is so intense and that's the thing that that's the thing that everybody i who saw the movie would come out and you know they would tell me like yeah the intensity is what they remembered the most especially the very ending of this movie um it's uh jk simmons is great but it's you know it's honestly not too far from other characters he's played before sure yeah i think he's more of a dick than he's ever been Mm -hmm. but this is j jonah jameson but with a a serious with less comedy yeah and uh and even though there are times you'll still want to laugh because because it's just the way oh yeah it's It's so unreasonable (laughs) so unreasonable Well, what's crazy is i I was in i'm that much of a geek i was in band and chorus when i was in high school and and in college and I had a few music directors that were not nearly as crazy as this guy, but had some of the same traits, mm-hmm. like that intensity, that attention to detail, that mockery of you if you don't do it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that half of the the chorus one one day walked out of class. Wow, this wow. is in high school. Uh, Mr. King, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me cut that out. <laughs> I hope you don't. It was awesome. But anyway, uh, I've been around this type of personality so much in that context that it resonated with me and the way that miles teller plays it off and where it it drives him simultaneous to destroying him is just so compelling to me i've oh i love this movie so much. he's really like i think this is a super relatable movie despite being a very specific right very few people are good enough instrument players to ever be in a band like this, even third chair or whatever. This is the cream of the crop, right? <laughs> but we've all had an overbearing teacher or chorus or coach in sports, right? He, he's like basically Bobby Knight. Yeah. Only in the world of, you know, small jazz bands or yep. what have you. Um, and yeah, he just berates him. It's very swimming with the sharks-esque yeah. for several moments to the point where, you know, the movie probably could have had Miles Teller abduct him and torture him, and I wouldn't have necessarily minded. <laughs> yeah, and and when he's he's putting these guys, he's got he's got a scene where three drummers are all trying to get this part, uh, and 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 it's never about whether or not they're getting it right, even though he's telling them, "Oh, you're off on this," yeah. and go go to the next next person, you know, whatever. They're all getting it right. He's just yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. And, they're playing like half a measure. Basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, and 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 it's more about breaking them down and making sure that they're not uh, you got the big ego and everything. Make sure, and they always have to think that you know I better play as best as I can, or else there's going to be another guy right around the corner. Yeah, and everything. It's what I love about this character. I would never want that character as as a teacher, <laughs> but 
you can see you can see the whole um you know the, i love that there's nothing worse in the uh, english language than the words nice job yeah <laughs> he wants you to be constantly excellent and never ever think that you can slide back and that's what is amazing about this character yeah he doesn't think he did anything wrong no he, he drives this ostensibly he drives this kid to suicide mm-hmm. and even though it shows him being emotional about it and everything and, and feeling some sort of regret not blaming himself at all and when right. he gets fired and everything he is completely self-justified so much so that he doubles down on it yeah, yeah basically but uh I, I mean just seeing that kind of perspective that scene in the in the club where he says that you know no no worse words in the English language, really says like all right you know you could actually see where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also nice to see Paul Reiser again. Yeah. Oh, he's great yeah. in this. He's got such a very small part. Yeah. He's playing Miles Teller's dad. But I, when I saw the movie, I was like, ah, oh, where's he been? I've <laughs> seen him in like a decade. Living off his mad about you royalties. Yeah, but that's plenty of money. Yeah. Uh, while we're in this best picture um, section, basically, we can go through a few of these. The Imitation Game. Mm-hmm. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch is great in this. And this is not just like, you know, fanboy on Benedict. I'm, I'm, I never was like... I've watched the Sherlock series mm-hmm. since he's become popular and everything, so I've never been like one of those like, oh, he's so great because of Sherlock and everything he does is magic. Um, when I watch the Imitation Game, he's just really good in this, and that's an interesting story. Like that's just you know you don't. That's a I've never heard that story before. Is this about the like breaking a code? In, yeah, it's uh, World, World War Two, and it's um, Turing. It's Alan Turing. Turing. It's Alan Turing. Yeah. Um, so Benedict Cumberbatch plays Alan Turing and you know, you've heard of the, what is it? The Turing, uh, what is it in the ex machina? The Turing test. The Turing test where they're trying to, uh, basically test whether you can tell if it's a robot or not. Right. Um, but in this, he's trying to break these impossible German codes that have like millions and millions and millions of characters. And they've, you know, they've got like 12 guys sitting there like trying to, each day, every day, they're like, what could it possibly be? And all that other stuff. And he invents a machine to try to work. It's basically like what the Donald Logue does in sneakers, right? <laughs> <laughs> where he's trying to find the key more yeah. than he's trying to find the total answer and everything. And the computer is trying to figure out. And and uh, and it's really fun. And Kieran Knightley's really good in this, too. But it's got also, uh, you know, a background of Turing was gay and he had and that was back when it was illegal to be gay. Oh, yeah. And um, and so he has to hide that and everything. So it's got sort of a a half and half structure and everything. But it's fascinating watching these watching this guy work and trying to get and he's he's obviously a guy that he's not very popular and doesn't care about being popular <laughs> and he's he, he immediately like tells people that they're not good at what they're been hired to right. do and uh just the way he interacts with everybody it's uh it's the it's the it's you know it's the asperger's thing it's mm. becoming very popular for actors to kind of like you know put into their their tool shed basically to, yeah. to play but it's a it's a fascinating movie um also um in the uh best picture grand budapest hotel oh yeah. wes, wes anderson is continuing sort of what he came back to now after he's done phantasm mr fox and and he's done moonrise kingdom and all that i think he's back on a winning track now and yeah. grand budapest hotel is a fun movie his most violent movie too oh yeah, yeah. it also helps to have ray fines yeah. in this role he he's excellent yes he is, he is. awesome it to was watch supposed to be johnny depp Oh, man, I could not get behind that. 
Yeah, uh, but you can see the Ray Fines. You can see in this character like that some of the Johnny Depp isms that that are going on. Yeah, in that character. I think you took somebody like Ray Fines with a little more age on him, a little more experience, a little yeah. more seasoning to to make this a believable character because he's he's crazy. I mean, you know, he's he's obsessed with sex with mm-hmm. uh with looking great with appearances and everything but he also has like this deep heart and this devotion to this, yeah. uh, this uh chosen craft and everything so it, it's so much fun yeah i thought he was really great it's a, one of the more forgettable ones f- from him though for me i didn't connect to it as much as i just kind of had a few laughs watching it uh whereas again i've said this a million times but i go back to rushmore and even royal tenenbaums i connected more to those characters in that story but mm-hmm. it's not bad i liked it well yeah. moonrise kingdom was so nostalgic yeah. and and emotional and this is not that this is more like madcap like fun action yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and this is the first i mean wes anderson's obviously got a real keen attention to detail in all of his movies and everything but this is the one where i really saw like just how obsessive he is and Mm -hmm. i don't know if he's getting more uh that way or whatever like just the way he places little objects in the screen and everything there's like one scene where just like a prominent set of keys are hanging in this perfect spot and i'm just like i just get amused by that because there's just there's so many little details he throws into these things that it's it's just fun watching them over and over again i can see what you're saying though i mean it's not like it's not his best by any means or it's not like the biggest connected movie but it's better than life aquatic and it's better yeah. Than oh yeah, yeah yeah darjeeling and all that oh, I, I one of the things that, that's almost distracting to that point is that he centers every shot yeah uh, where it's almost it throws you off because it's so balanced that you want a, something to just kind of muss it up a little bit, you know? Mm. And I don't, I guess he's, like you're saying, like he may not be capable of doing that <laughs> anymore. Um, uh, the other uh, other big best picture was uh, Boyhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Linklater did this over 10 years, I think. It was mm. maybe more. 12 years. 12 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember going to his IMDb page while this was getting shot. And it was always the Richard Linkletter 12 year project. And I was like, what the hell is that? You know, and he had to read about it and like, yeah, he's every summer he went and shot this movie and he had to get a guy, he had to get a kid who was committed to being in this movie for 12 years. Yeah. And he got it. And I love how also like he got his daughter, his real life daughter in this movie. Yep. And after the first year of this movie, she's like, eh, I don't really like acting. I'm gonna... And he's like, no, you have to be this character or whatever. And it just goes to show what kind of like danger he was walking with yeah. trying to. I mean, I guess if the, the actor like stepped out or whatever, he'd had just have to scrap it. Yeah. But still, it just kind of shows what kind of danger he was walking on with kids. You never know. I mean, kids could say they want to be an actor. But... Well, and you also never know because I think any kid at you know, seven can be cute and you'll yeah. go, maybe a good actor. Right. And then you don't really know until they get to like 11. Mm-hmm. And this kid is not bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's like an acting sensation, but, you know, he could have gotten a, like a terrible, he could have gotten Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Right? Who yeah. was cute the first couple of years. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, then yeah. when he got into teenagehood, <laughs> right. it was just annoying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and constantly singing about pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, because he could have done this. Have you ever seen the documentary Seven Up, 14 Up, 21 Up? I, I haven't, unfortunately. Because that's just checking in on a group of right. friends and, and family over the course of their lifetimes, essentially. But this, like you said, like they've got to act. They've right. got to actually like be in a situation. And it's, 
emotionally taxing too. Of course, it's got an alcoholic stepfather that yeah. comes in, and uh, he, I think he's very, very good. I love this movie, and Ethan Hawke. Uh, whatever happens when he gets together with Richard Linklater, it's magic. Yeah. Uh, and he's especially so the Newton boys. Yeah, yeah. totally. Was, was he in that one? Yeah, and Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> they were both awesome in that. <laughs> that movie. <laughs> Fucking Newton boys. I just busted out a Newton boys yep. reference. And you know what? I saw that movie and I couldn't tell you one one scene in it. I couldn't either, but. I remember he made it. And yeah. I'm just glad I got to pull that out of my ass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like Boyhood a lot. I'm not one of those people who love it. Yeah. I don't think if you take away, I, I, I think it's a super fascinating project and piece of art mm-hmm. that does carry some resonance because we are seeing this kid, this real kid for the most part, uh, at various stages in his life. Uh, but I, I think if you take that away, the way he shot it, um, I don't think the story of this movie holds up anywhere near as interesting. Like if you had a different actor to play him at seven and then a different actor who played him at 12 or what have you. I don't think this would be as enthralling. No, yeah. The narrative is part of its greatness, yeah, I think. I agree. Um, and I, I don't know, just seeing that happen in real time and seeing how people react. Patricia Arquette is terrific. Oh, she's amazing. She, she won the Oscar. She won, yeah. And uh, th- that dynamic between mother and son how it evolves over time to where, you know, when he's 19 or whatever, he comes in and, and she's like, well, you've been smoking some weed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, well. Yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, this is the way the story goes, and this is probably familiar to a lot of people, but it feels like this is one of those where you're just like, every new dude she dates is a, an asshole. Yeah. Every single it, yep. one. You're just like, oh, my God, can you please <laughs> just find somebody good? You know, <laughs> the shot of him going out to like one of the alcoholic asshole guys, him going out to the laundry room and filling up this gigantic cup with vodka. Yeah. And then he re- grabs a Sprite and like puts a little splash. Yeah, yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just funny. Um, uh, let's talk about another movie that took 12 years to film. Interstellar. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, boy, do I love the ideas in this movie. Mm hmm. I love, this is why I like Christopher Nolan. Mm. He always has a solid idea. And this flirts with so many cool sci-fi concepts. I think it's at its strongest uh, when they're at that planet that's so close to the black hole. Oh, yeah. That the that when they go down, time will advance much more slowly there on that planet than yes. it does up above. And then, of course, the action sequence of that giant wave on that planet is incredible. It's amazing. Right. And then they get back up. And, of course, McConaughey goes on to become a meme for crying too much. But I was gut punched by that. That scene is amazing. Imagine imagine that. You've been gone 23 years in, what, an hour? Mm. And now you're going to watch an entire lifetime of messages of your of your kids as they grow up and resent you. Because for all they know, you're ignoring them. You just went down to a planet for an hour. I felt like I would literally fall apart the way he does in that scene. Yeah, I feel like the McConaughey crying meme is just a part of our cynical culture that we have now. And it doesn't have anything to do with how you felt watching that movie at all. Okay, Like if you want, I mean maybe there are people who watched that movie and started laughing at his crying or whatever, but Jesus. I don't see how in the fuck you could no. because it's exactly way the way you would act. If you saw that 
kids growing up, like your kids, you remember your kids like this. And then they're yeah. in an hour. They're this. Yeah. And, uh, and I just, and I always think about that poor guy that was on the spaceship. Yeah, man. Bastard. I think about that guy sitting there for years yeah. on the ship yeah. and he's just got nothing to do. I mean, that's a whole movie right there. <laughs> yeah. It's passenger. Yeah. It's like the beginning of Prometheus <laughs> where David yeah, yeah, is yeah. walking around by himself. Yeah. Like how that guy didn't go insane or kill himself. I'll never know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's a movie full of great ideas. I don't like the going into the Tesseract thing. Not a big fan of the, the whole thing shelf. about love being the like thing that transcends. The secret ingredient is law. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, who's been screwing with this thing? They yeah, like uh, the and the movie's theme is proven all the way through it. Anne Hathaway has a hunch about going to this one planet because she's in love with that one guy. Yeah. And like, it turns out that would have been the right planet to go to. And like, and then like, yeah. And his love for his daughter takes him into this thing. I, I just, I know that's where it just loses me. Yeah. That whole part right yeah, there. And I love it all the way up to that point. Now there are people a couple, few weeks ago, I tweeted out that thing I've mentioned before. What, what is Christopher Nolan's best movie and why is it the prestige? And I got a surprising amount of people voting interstellar. Mm-hmm. So there are people out there who think this is perfect mm-hmm. uh, and more power to you because I, I see the greatness in there. Mm-hmm. It's a little overly long, a little sappy, uh, but it is a hell of an achievement to look at. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, it's um, so and his beautiful. famous insistence on IMAX and real film and it, it comes through practical effects, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but the the parts don't add up to a whole of greatness for mm-hmm. me. It would Absolutely. probably be in the middle of the pack of Nolan movies. Yeah, same here. Yeah, it's a shame because it's so rooted in all these scientific concepts that when you throw in that, you know, okay, that, not to say that there's not room for emotions and feeling and things like that, but it's just, you know, make it fit within the context of this whole thing. But there's a lot of great parts to it. The, I love the robots. Mm. Oh, yeah, they're movie. awesome. And I love the the Matt Damon part yeah. in there too. Yeah. So yeah, now it, I don't know why it doesn't it doesn't hit, but uh, it's it's really good overall. Yeah, yeah, the 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 way they think about science is great, and I wish the movie could have followed a little bit more suit on that, um, and not made it about love. That's the thing that ends up killing it for me. Chris hates love. I hate Chris love. Is a hate big <laughs> fan of hate. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Let the hate flow. That's through. right. I already did that. Um. <laughs> So, uh, others? How about Nightcrawler? How about Nightcrawler? Man, what a crazy-ass movie. Uh, I love it. The creepiest. It's so creepy. Jake Gyllenhaal, this may be a question that we have uh, later on. It's not my answer, but he is such an underrated actor, Yes, I think. he is. I think this so. is incredible. Yeah. I mean, to take this world of getting to murder scenes first. Right. And the whole trajectory of him going, you know, bugging the uh, the news station and all that stuff to where he ends up is just so much, so interesting to watch. You know? It is. It's creepy, though. Oh, yeah. It's like not fun to watch. No. Right? Yeah, especially his whole interactions with Rene Russo and this is yeah. it gets to the point of very uncomfortable yeah. and everything. But but just in general, being an ambulance chasing like photographer and everything, that sort of 
that opens up so he won't he won't there's not anything that he won't do in yeah. this you know to get his story or whatever and it's just oh my god but i love it it's just one of those <laughs> movies um this was uh, dan gilroy who's the brother of tony gilroy oh uh tony gilroy mostly known for born movies and everything and this was his debut directorial debut wow. and he was really really well done it's a movie that sort of like got a lot of top 10 lists at the end of the year it didn't get much oscar love or anything like that but um but it was it's fantastic yeah yeah i saw this much later and just caught it and i was like ah you know i'll, I'll just check it out it was on netflix and i was i was riveted mm -hmm. oh yeah very Remember weird that movie in the 90s with joe pesci as a murder scene photographer oh yeah what was that called oh god eight heads in a duffel bag no <laughs> close enough was it the camera eye no, well, it's the public eye. Public eye. Public eye. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, Jude Law was like a dead person photographer in Road to Perdition. Oh. I wonder if Jake Gyllenhaal consulted either of those guys for acting advice. Probably so. Probably, Probably so. not. <laughs> uh, the Raid 2 came out this year. Yeah. Awesome. One of the most visceral experiences I've ever had. I came out of that movie pumping my fist. I was, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, it takes... A and expands on the greatness of the first raid movie. It frees itself from the single setting uh, and works in a very respectable gangster crime story um, mm. underneath all these incredible fights, uh, starting with the bathroom scene where like 200 guys barge in on mm -hmm. him, all the way through the mud fight, which we've raved about before, mm. the car chase fight, the kitchen fight. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just, it's a hard R action thriller that i think succeeds in every way have we ever seen a sequel like okay so the first raid is great it's yeah. a great movie have we ever seen a sequel destroy a previous great movie like this like the second one is so much better than the first it one. is to the point where if i'm looking at both of them i'm gonna put the second one in mm -hmm. almost every time and i don't think there's anything quite like i mean maybe the godfather and in godfather 2 definitely doesn't beat the first godfather that much i agree no. even if it, even if you like godfather 2 better it's not like that no much. no i yeah. would say evil dead 2 dark knight does batman that begins dark knight over batman begins i can see evil dead and evil dead 2 i don't know about that either i mean evil dead 2 is better than the first one hmm. but it's not like just ladders above i don't think yeah same thing with terminator 2 terminator 2 yeah. is better than terminator yeah. but it's not yeah, like anyway the point is yes right. you're right <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i mean i think the dark knight one was a really good one because batman begins was great but yeah. dark knight was way way better yeah um but yeah this is just oh my god this is how you make action movies guys mm -hmm. yes we've already said it a bunch of times already but this is how you make action good movies. choreography good performers if they takes. could make a marvel movie like this i would be all over marvel. man i'm telling you even if it was black widow and you just made yeah. a Black Widow movie with hand-to-hand -hand combat that was shot this way. Mm -hmm. I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the American version of this could be construed as John Wick, which came out sure. this year, too. <laughs> sure. And this movie surprised the shit out and of me, It's a man. lot of people, man, because this uh, movie was not set to be a big box office draw. <laughs> I don't think it actually did do very much box office, but... On video, everybody like has picked this up, and now suddenly everybody loves John Wick, and there's a sequel coming out. Yeah, yeah of course it's there like is. Reddit's favorite movie ever. If you look at Reddit, of course they already love Keanu Reeves for a bunch of reasons, but um, this is one I didn't see in the theater. I caught later. It, it, I actually remember seeing more marketing for the other movie he made, 
where it was like the Asian dragon magic. He was like oh, the last um, Ronin or whatever. Yeah. 47 Ronin? 47 Ronin. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, <clears throat> I saw more marketing for that than I yeah. ever did for this. Uh, this is a great time. Now, I have seen people put this movie in the same sentence as the raid two and no. i don't think that's appropriate no because it's not it's not choreographed like that i mean right. there's there's some hand-to-hand but it's mostly guns. canoe chasing people with guns through like and crowded who makes a great badass yes but just as surprising as liam neeson did yeah uh, it's a very enjoyable revenge for they killed his dog yeah they yeah. killed his goddamn dog <laughs> and it sets him off and i don't know what they're gonna kill in the second maybe he got a cat and they yeah it maybe so man again <laughs> but, just make these movies to kill animals is I'm what they pretty do sure i'm back yeah um there was another movie and we don't have to talk about it very long uh that was along the same uh lines as john wick was the equalizer oh yeah denzel washington <laughs> beating some ass yeah uh, on behalf of chloe grace that's right that's right <laughs> Uh, is it's another one of those type of movies yeah. where it's just a guy going out and just beating ass. That's what he does, man. Although he gets a little bit home alone there at the end in the yes, home he bars, does. Where he like sets up all the traps. Holy and, shit, does he? Yeah, it's it's like that and the collector. You know, the collector, yeah. which is like that too. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, but they're making a sequel to that too. I think. Oh, uh, they know. I think oh they're God. at least talking about. It. I, Denzel did a AMA on Reddit last week, and I think he said the script is being written. So. Interesting um cool. there you go another big big movie that came out gone girl yep um now i like this movie but i never needed to see it again after the first time i agree and i remember watching this and uh, i was like okay now that now that i know the surprise is there there's not much because there's not much in that first half that I'd be like, oh, okay, that's right. that's something new that because I have the knowledge that I have now, that makes a lot makes it a lot better. It doesn't get to that point. And I remember watching it, and I came out, and uh, I was at my old theater, and I was talking to some people that I knew, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I like that, but now now this, once the surprise comes out, I don't think I'll ever need to see that movie again. And they're like, really? And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'll ever have to see that movie again because there's not there's not anything that I can get. Anyway, um, what do we think about Gone Girl? This movie is dour. This yeah. movie is depressing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure it's it, it intends to be at all times. But the color palette, there's so much shadow. There's yep. so much darkness in this movie. Um, and there's almost no one to root for, right? Because Ben yeah. Affleck was cheating on her. Mm-hmm um she's an asshole mm-hmm. um the sister maybe is the only one to really root her yeah she's tyler perry maybe yeah um are the only real like good guys <laughs> mm-hmm. in this story like, casey wilson <laughs> neil patrick harris maybe yeah, yeah. um so i again I, it's not gonna stay with me i'm not gonna want to go back to it a lot and I, I think a lot of the reason this movie has lots of love is because this book was a phenomenon yeah like mm-hmm. a twilight level phenomenon and i think a lot of people fell in love with the book mm-hmm. and now have a little bit more glow of a halo around the movie than you and I do. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, from what I understand, they made at least one drastic change to the end of the, the oh, really? book when they made the movie. I'm not sure what that would be. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I thought performances are solid. Fincher's always got a good eye. Uh, it's just not a story that really pulls me in. It's interesting, too. Rosamund Pike had been around forever. Mm-hmm. And she never, I mean, she, like, and this is the classic case of the you know actresses not getting good roles and all other stuff. She's been in a ton of stuff, but you've forgotten what she yep. was in. I know one. 
she was in the movie Surrogates with Bruce Willis. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, movie. and I forgot that she was in that. That's a badass concept. <laughs> and and I, for, movie. I forgot that she was in Jack Reacher until we send the video <laughs> yeah. the movie. And then like, uh, and then like, I know she was a Bond girl in one of those Brosnan Bonds. You're right. And uh, and I don't remember which one it was. <laughs> well, I don't. I can't tell any of those Brosnan Bonds apart. Yeah, they all completely run together. They're all the same. But like, uh, it's an interesting choice because I think this sort of vaulted her into sort of a status that she's never. I mean, now she's going to be in a lot of stuff. I think mm-hmm. I, mean, I saw a trailer with her in it the yeah, other day. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, finally. But she's been around forever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. It, this is a movie that's hard to really just like. I don't know. It's hard for me to love because Ben Affleck's such a doofus. In this. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's the way he is. That's his character. And I get it and everything. But man, it's just so disappointing yeah. how many bad moves he makes. He and makes a bunch. Smiling during the <laughs> like the the picture taking and all that. And like like, you know, all these little mistakes that I think most people especially people of his education yeah. would be able to like get get out of those situations you know, he falls for it every single Not checking time. the credit card statement oh yeah <laughs> Ugh. but uh but yeah I, I yeah i can see why it's popular it's just not it wasn't wasn't my- i do love that moment where she comes back <laughs> he walks up to hug him and he's like you fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like the first thing he says to him. So awesome. And um, I, I like Kim Dickens in this. I, I've always had uh, really like Kim Dickens in these. And, and she's, you know, she's really good. She's professional and all this other yeah. stuff. And, you know, there's that part where the Patrick Fujit character is like, what, you you know, you you really attracted to this guy or something like that? And she's like, don't ever talk like that to me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> she's great. Yeah. And uh, so I really liked her in it. But um, all right. What else? Documentary Citizen Four about Ed oh. Snowden. Yeah. yeah. You guys seen it? I have. Riveting. Mm-hmm. I, like, almost like Locke with Tom Hardy driving a car. You tell me you're going to watch. You're going to watch Snowden sit on a hotel bed for an hour and a half, two hours, and talk about some pretty high-level computer security stuff, <laughs> and you're going to be riveting. Yeah. Uh, and I think the the rivetingness comes from the fact that while they were filming this, at any minute, he could have been caught or arrested, and he was unsure of all of that, and it comes through. But I... I came away with this thinking he was such an articulate guy, right? Like, he explains the technical stuff really well. He comes across very relatable. Um, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to pick a side in the should he be arrested or pardoned debate. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't, my opinion is not political. But I came away from that more impressed with him than I expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that that's exactly, that's a perfect uh, analogy. Uh to lock and all that it says you won't think that you're going to be riveted by just him talking about and some stuff that quite frankly you're not going to understand everything about either but it's all about your privacy and it's all about what goes on when you know when you're using your phones and using computers and stuff like that he goes through like what is the um how many how many millions of guesses the computer the like yeah. government computers have per second yeah. on a password and like stuff like that. It's just like some 35 billion or something Jesus. like that guesses of your password or whatever. And then, yeah, of course, they came out with, the, again, Joseph Gordon-Levitt getting stuck in a, a movie, <laughs> a uh, the actual. movie version of the documentary that's way better, you know. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, I still haven't seen Snowden, so I can't really. Say, I have either. But I guarantee you the documentary. What's funny is I saw a, a, a print ad somewhere, like a magazine or something, and I was like, "Oh, Snowden's coming out." I was like, "Oh, that's the Blu-ray release. It's already come and gone." Like, <laughs> yeah. I completely missed that movie. Um, so there were some comedies. Uh, Neighbors. Yeah, uh, was one of the bigger bigger comedies in this. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that joke, <laughs> that joke they make with their friend where they're trying to plot they're like what's the number one thing that get fraternities in trouble and he goes rape <laughs> <laughs> and then he immediately goes what <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh, uh, first time i saw that it, that joke it shocked me so yeah. much i was crying laughing i really like this movie. yeah i did too i wasn't expecting to uh, but I think part of it comes from the fact that Rose Byrne is given things to do. Yes, with. finally. Yeah, like there's she. It's easy to make this movie with Rose Byrne just being the like, I can't believe you did this yep, and yep. blah blah blah. Yep. I in in this one, she's actually active in the yeah. story and everything, and I love her like her big like. Let's get Dave Franco and and uh, the and his and uh, Zach Efron's girlfriend, you know, upstairs together and have them have sex with each other and everything. That's edited so perfect because yes. everyone is seeing the, the kissing going on between the two women, and that song comes. Oh shit! Oh shit! Yeah, 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 yeah. Really plays well. Um, they they of course eventually made a Neighbors too, which I didn't see, but it looked like the same old thing, yep, basically. Same thing. I haven't seen it, but uh, but Neighbors was funny um i didn't see ride along did anybody see ride along uh, sadly enough i saw ride along two but okay not the first one <laughs> yeah i imagine i have seen the first one yeah the, i haven't seen the first one um but it was a huge hit i mean it's one of those that came out in january and and just suddenly you know it stunned everybody it was right at the, the height of kevin hart's rise in popularity yeah too, and so i think that helped a lot yeah um, um can we talk about horrible bosses two for a minute yeah uh, as if I haven't talked about that movie enough <laughs> to you guys. I never saw the first one. I caught this one on HBO last year sometime and laughed my ass off. Mm -hmm. Fell in love. It became almost like The Martian. If I saw it on, I would watch it. Because I, the interplay between these three, Charlie Day and Sudeikis and Jason Bateman, um, is just fantastic. Mm -hmm. They play off of each other really well. I, then, after having fallen in love with the second one, I finally saw the first one. And realized how much they just made the same movie again because <laughs> it's mostly the mm. same movie and i'm in the weird position of disliking the first one because i saw the second one first mm -hmm. and that's where i first heard all the jokes <laughs> even though all the jokes are there that jennifer aniston wanted to fuck somebody that doesn't want to fuck her i mean all those jokes the writing on the dry erase board with permanent mark all yeah. those jokes are in both movies i didn't know that when i saw the second one so it, i adore it it's funny i i don't think we talked about the first horrible bosses no. in that year yeah um but uh i i really enjoyed that first one and jason bateman is the big reason but even though i mean i love jason sudeikis and, and charlie day too but um, but Jason Bateman just always just the way he does those things that and it's in the trailer, but that line about like, you know, he's he's they got him on the uh, like traffic cam or whatever. Uh -huh. And he's like and he's like, what were you doing driving 85 miles an hour? And whatever this? I was drag racing. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes in a Prius. I don't win a lot. <laughs> 
<laughs> and 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 just like when they're like they're in that big chase and everything and he's like now i'm gonna have to move to canada i'm gonna have to learn hockey and all that shit yeah. <laughs> um it's a funny thing it's one of those weird things the first movie was a tremendous hit it was and then they came out with a sequel and nobody gave a shit mm. yep like it was almost like they just all basically that doesn't need to be a sequel yep yeah you're right the beats were all done it was a self insulated story the first one it was totally an unnecessary sequel Mm. except for the fact that they do interplay so well together and chris pine i think is a really good addition i mean christoph waltz is good too but chris pine has a lot of screen time and he's basically the villain but he's super magnetic Mm, yeah like the first time well he tricks them into thinking they kidnapped him high on nitrous when they're in the closet because they hear a thump in the trunk and open it up and he's tied himself up. He's like, don't kill me. And so they're freaking out. Then they go inside and he's in the middle of talking about having read their note and found them in the closet. And he turns, he's like, is that a fucking swordfish? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. um, But uh, yeah, and I've seen Horrible Bosses too since I didn't see it in the theater and I saw it kind of like you did. It was on, you know, HBO or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I mean it's pretty funny. I mean it's it's better when it's better when you don't have any of the going to a theater and having expectations and all that other stuff. When it comes on, you know, just HBO, something about it, man. You can watch those movies yeah. without worrying about anything, and they're usually funnier for yeah. it. Another big awesome movie that came out in 2014, Edge of Tomorrow. Ah, yeah. uh, yes. Boy, was this a surprise. Yes, because Doug Lyman, bless his heart, is really a hit or miss. Like mm-hmm. you never know if you're gonna get swingers yeah or what's the bad one mr and mrs mr. smith and mrs smith or yeah. jumper, jumper. <laughs> um and so here you have a very high concept action film um cast perfectly i think all the way down to bill paxton's drill instructor who's yep. one of the funniest things about the movie mm-hmm. and this is just a great solid time travel based futuristic action movie mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but it's got so much humor like yep. the humor was what was unexpected for me mm-hmm. was that they were going to mine that Groundhog Day living the same day over and over again for so much humor, almost as much as Groundhog Day mm-hmm. does before they get into all the action. Yeah. I fucking love this movie. Yeah. And there's that big crescendo where he keep they keep showing him dying over and over and over again. And it's like, on your feet, maggot. And then it's like, on your feet, maggot. And then on your feet, maggot. And then it's like, maggot, maggot. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, he dies like 50 times in there and like um but like yeah man this is one of this is one of my favorite movies of the decade yeah yeah um it's it's i didn't expect it to be that great but it is you have emily blunt in this who i always like and everything but it's also got uh, a little bit of uh surprise to it as well because you think you're seeing i guess every single instance of him dying and waking back up and learning new things as he gets up or whatever but it has a little surprise for you yeah you know in store later on and and uh and it, and it's just one of those things where like he keeps he, he want he keeps getting to that same point over and over you can, can you imagine like getting to that same point over and over and you're trying to think is there something new i can say now right. that yeah. makes this different um uh, but what a great action movie what a great premise and i yeah when i heard groundhog day action movie i was like i don't know yeah and then yeah it blew me away and it's got one of the best sequences that i've ever seen in an action movie where they drop in that first time yes 
it's as impactful as any, <laughs> really any action movie can be. I mean, it takes you through all the different, it's from his perspective, and you see all this crazy shit going down that you see again over and over mm-hmm. and over again, but it just has no shits given. And yeah. It's just like, fuck it, go in there and see what you can do. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, what a, yeah, what a good movie. I can't say en- enough about it. That's great. Uh, anything else you guys want to mention? How about Inherent Vice? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is another one of those drug trip movies where I feel like because I don't drop acid, I missed something. Well, it's very much like The Big Lebowski. Today. Yeah. Uh, it's got yeah. that Philip Marlowe type of... Um, Joaquin Phoenix again playing... Well, not again, but he's playing what kind of like uh, Jeff Bridges Like a playing. dude, yeah. You know, where he's, uh, he's always on drugs and he gets into a mystery that he's in over his head on. Yeah, yeah. And everything. So definitely has a lot of Big Lebowski in it. Yeah, and but he's smart. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got a wit about him and he just gives no shits. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing that really... Is it Martin Short? That just, yes. Martin, Martin Short's Short hilarious. Absolutely kills me in yeah. this movie. It's... It, uh, it's it, it's certainly not up there with Paul Thomas Anderson's best, but it's it's a lot of fun to watch if you just kind of are in the mood for something different. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a movie that you're not going to get the first couple of times mm. either. And I still don't know if I've gotten completely everything that's in this movie. Well, this is a Thomas Pynchon novel yeah. who's famous for kind of writing a lot of odd shit mm-hmm. and a lot of incomprehensible shit yeah and and it's basically his search for this well i mean it's not really a search i mean i guess sort of a search for owen wilson in this movie mm-hmm. he keeps running into him in all these different situations There's yeah. a whole other greater mystery that's going on but um but yeah it's one of those by the end of especially josh brolin in this is great um i just got that that perfect last scene of him just staring joaquin phoenix down and gobbling up all the weed yes he breaks down his door and just comes in and eats his weed like uh but yeah, there's so many, I mean, that's, that's the, it's, it's one of those movies where it's not really, I don't think the whole connection of the mystery is what, is what you're watching that movie for. Yeah. You're watching it as an episodic type of thing. And each episode has its own thing. It has a larger plot to yeah. it, obviously, but it's more about each individual scene than yeah. it is. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix again is great in this. And, uh, this is a completely different thing than we've seen him before. I mean, from this and the master, they're completely different. Yeah. I mean, between this, uh, it was on, it was last year. What was his, her, her. Yeah. You got the master, her, and then this. Yeah. I mean, regardless of what you think about inherent vice, like that's a pretty incredible. Well, in the run. middle of all that you have, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so we have to consider that, was, that as well. Well, no, that was before. That was, before that was why he was able to get a lot of these movies was because he did such a performance in "I'm Still Here" that everybody thought. Well, not everybody. I knew that was a bunch of bullshit when I first heard about it. It was like, <laughs> he's like, oh, he he and Casey Affleck are going around shooting a thing where he's pretending to be a rapper. Okay, yeah, I'm sure he really wants to do that um but uh but yeah he he after based on that performance based he started getting back into like yeah. he got some real like heavy hitting stuff based off of that uh we don't need to talk about the amazing spider-man 2 very much it's a terrible movie yeah mm-hmm. uh godzilla gareth edwards uh got star wars through that that's a very good godzilla it's got 
three amazing scenes in it, basically. And it redeemed the Godzilla franchise as far as American studios making them uh, mm. after that 1998 fiasco. Yeah, from absolutely. Who? From who? Oh, Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich. <laughs> That's who. That's right. How to Train Your Dragon 2 was uh, was good. Uh, yeah. Another movie, really, I mean, it, it made a lot of money, but it wasn't like the first one. The first mm -hmm. one was slamming, and then the second one this was... was darker. Yeah, it was darker. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, another one where people I don't I don't wouldn't say they're different. One hundred and seventy-seven million is a lot of money, but um, Divergent, which famously uh, tried to do the Hunger Games type of thing, where it, the Divergent, like, oh, everybody loves these these. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do Insurgent, and then we're gonna split the last two. Nope. <laughs> They got to that third movie and they realized there's no way they can do this. It's not nearly popular enough. No, and then they they talked about doing a TV movie wrap up, and now all the stars have basically backed out. And it's yeah, just why would you completely fell apart? Why would you do that? No, yeah. there's no reason. Yeah, um, but uh, Divergent hate that movie. I hate that movie so. I hate that and Maze Runner. I feel like they're just like. I feel like they're knockoffs of this genre or whatever. Maybe they're the first one. Maybe the books came first. I don't know. Maybe the books came before Hunger Games for all mm. I know. I don't know what the order of all these books are and everything. But they're all tapping into this revolution and this kids like getting into an arena. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it just, it, they all feel like knockoffs. Yeah, they do. Of each other. Yeah, exactly. And they just end up being terrible. Uh, Into the Woods, another Disney uh, Man, attempt. Fuck that movie with a big yeah. scaly pole. Can't stand that movie. Yeah, it's a I big scaly that movie. pole. <laughs> that movie annoyed the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. And it's even a movie that you're like, even though Anna Kendrick's in this, I can't stand this movie. Yeah, I know. I mean, she's not enough to save it. It's just insipid. Lucy, terrible movie. Luke Besson, Luke Besson did this, and uh, Scarlett Johansson, that whole, like, you only use 10% of your brain. Yeah. Thing, which, which was bull shit Which, long before this movie was even written. that's the problem like that's a that's the sort of uh i don't know fact that had been going around for years that like you can't make a movie about that anymore because everybody realizes how much bullshit that is now <laughs> there was even a cosby show episode where theo had read that and was trying to move a glass of orange juice with his brain mm -hmm. <laughs> i shit you not i, I remember, remember that in the 80s <laughs> yeah so like yeah i can understand you saying well let's just bend the rules a little bit and let's go with this 10 percent thing the problem is immediately everybody goes no yeah but it still was a big hit <laughs> yeah the movie made a made lot of money, lot of money. Yeah. well i think and they, he's, he's even showing that like that new that uh that uh city of planets bullshit yeah. that's coming out <laughs> director of lucy he's yeah. proud of that shit yeah yeah <laughs> i guess they were trading because limitless was a pretty sizable hit wasn't yeah, it? yeah i liked Limitless. so and but limitless had that thing where you had to take the pill to, yeah, to yeah, do yeah. that Instead of becoming a you know a superhuman that kind of thing so yeah no no on Lucy for me <laughs> <laughs> let's see um, oh Chef yeah oh, Chef John saw, Favreau saw this on an airplane yeah and yeah. Uh, enjoyed the hell out of it it's really really fun a little too saccharine sweet at the end mm -hmm. the way that everything falls in line perfectly but you can tell that Favreau intentionally wanted to step away from blockbusters. And his character's arc is so similar to his real life arc as that character steps away from the big restaurant, fancy restaurant, and starts a tiny little inconspicuous food truck. And I think it really kind of brought out the life in him as a director. Um, he's fine in this as an actor, mm. but uh, this movie makes you hungry by yeah, focusing yeah. on the food as well as any movie ever has. Uh, and uh, just a really fun road trip father-son 
And if you don't want to eat a Cuban sandwich by the time you're done with this movie, <laughs> there's something wrong. Yeah, that's exactly. the, that's the thing about it, right? Like it's a it's it's a movie that taps into another kind of emotion, being hungry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and everything that they put up on there is so well photographed and looks amazing and everything, and it's just like. Oh man, I just want to live inside this food truck. It's right good now. source material because now with the the rise of celebrity chefs and, the, and there's a zillion you know food programs out there. Anthony Bourdain doing his thing. Yep. Um, the Fault in Our Stars was a big movie. John Green wrote the novel and Boom, then it became a movie. The sound of my heart. E- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that, that song. I know that yeah. is Charlie XCX movie. Yeah. Boom! Crash. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. I, didn't like this movie um I, it's just it, i don't know there's something about uh, what is it it's bad it's <laughs> yeah bad. it's bad don't they make out in Anne frank's house don't they kiss in they Anne do frank's house? i think so that's fucked up yeah it is <laughs> what the hell cancer it girl and it's one of those where yeah exactly the book is probably fine yeah the book's fine <laughs> but i mean when you start out giving me this character's going to die and she falls in love with somebody else who's going to die yeah I, I have already lost interest right because whatever they're going to learn won't matter to them and i guarantee it won't matter and, to me and then they have to do that whole yo-yo thing where oh, well he's not gonna die oh yeah. wait a minute he is <laughs> um so I, I, yeah it's one of those things but anyway i know that was a super popular movie with the kids because of john green john green has a huge presence on youtube mm. and uh, off and off as an and, author he's well even looking for alaska mm-hmm. paper towns yeah uh, like three movies made on his work so far and when i used to watch lots and lots of youtube videos I used to you know, watch them because i love i love what he talks about in the in, in his videos and yeah. everything he's just very uh very intelligent and uh you know discussions of problems of the day and everything yeah. like that and uh, that's what i you don't get that in like regular news and yeah. stuff like that he cameos in this movie he does he's yeah. the dad at the airport who's daughter gets the nose thing put on her by a cancer girl uh. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah uh, shailene woodley did have like a pretty decent year there divergent yeah, and no fault in our stars well, was, descendants was just before this a year or two yep uh the weird uh darren aronofsky noah came out in 2000 <laughs> it's interesting that you choose weird for that adjective it is weird but it's also just bad yeah yep. It's not good. No. It's not enjoyable. I don't even think the effects look all that good. And this was famously troubled behind the scenes at Paramount while mm-hmm. it was being made. Um, I'm not sure Aronofsky always gets along well with studio execs. Uh, but yeah, I have no interest in ever watching this movie it, again. It doesn't look like an Aronofsky movie. No. I mean, it, it could have been directed by it looks like Michael a Roland, Bay. Roland Emmerich Yeah, movie. exactly. So, I mean, why would you get somebody and- that has a unique type of vision like that i always just do generic yeah i always have a problem with movies that do stuff like this okay so that noah and his family are super religious and you know because it's it's biblical times (laughs) 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 they actually interact with god in, in these in these in these times um and they throw this emma watson character who who's not in the bible at all as the love interest to shem i think it's shem right older older brother his noah's sons were shem ham and japheth so it was shem was the oldest right i believe so so wasn't he the fourth (laughs) stooge too he was the fourth stooge (laughs) um but like so there's a point where um 
Methuselah, Anthony Hopkins, yeah. uh, like touches Emma Watson and she's able to have children. So what does what does she do? She immediately finds Shim out in the woods <laughs> and says, "Let's do this. Let's bone." And I'm like, "This is not what biblical <laughs> people would do Bible. necessarily. Even if it look, even if it was, I mean, no, it wouldn't be in the Bible. But <laughs> I guess if it was in the Bible, then you know. But no, this is not what a religious family would do. Like, let's just go ahead and do this, and then they have, you know, they, I mean, it's like instant." pregnancy too yeah yeah, yeah uh anyway uh yeah no it's not good um n- non-stop uh which is a movie i could not even remember the name of the last time we tried to bring it up um uh no. there was also 22 jump street that came yes out this 22 jump street the most self-aware comedy i've ever seen very much so so much so everybody loves this movie mm-hmm. um that i that i know that i've talked to i thought it was too self-aware mm-hmm. it was like yes i understand that you just did the same thing again but you don't have to keep beating it. Ice Cube's doing it. Nick Offerman's doing yeah. it. Yeah. Channing Tatum and John Hill. Okay, we get it. We get it. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it was it was fun and enjoyable. It was set in college. Yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. I mean, yeah. ultimately, I really liked it. But I, I agree, it does go over over the top on the being aware that they're a sequel and they're doing the same thing. Because yeah. yeah, Nick Offerman even looks at the camera at one <laughs> point, which, as you remember, was the exact same thing that <laughs> happened in the first time. You know. Um. Oh man, there's a lot of bad stuff now. Uh, The Purge Anarchy. Um. Oh, what was one movie I wanted to bring up? frank oh yeah um i haven't seen that yeah uh i don't think either of you have seen this but this is michael fassbender uh as a lead singer of a band who wears this big huge head oh i haven't seen this oh and it's and it's and it's very good i wouldn't i don't know if i would go out to say you have to watch this movie now but it's i don't know it's just always interesting the movie is always like he plays this character in such a way that you're just like you just you can never put your finger on it mm. and everything he's very socially awkward obviously but like it's interesting because this is a band that's very much like not in the selling out they just enjoy playing music together and all this sort of stuff and then they hire this one guy who's basically our main character of the movie um who says well if we can start like tweeting out that we're gonna be at the at this place and that place and whatever we might be able to build some buzz and all that and maggie gyllenhaal who's in this is like you know you can't you can't do that we don't want to we don't really care about all of that you don't you can't change our dynamic and everything but if he obviously does and and michael fassbender carrie frank is just like sitting there like He's like thinking about it. He's like, yeah, maybe we could be more popular. Like, and he starts thinking about writing songs that are for, you know, like popular songs and stuff like that it changes their whole band dynamic. And it's interesting to to watch this movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, I guess I would recommend it, but I don't go thinking this is like life changing or anything yeah. like that. And there's a really cool song in it, too. Uh, I think I remember one good song. I don't remember the anything others, but um but uh really good song they actually played it on one of the night the nighttime talk shows oh, really? i can't remember and he was out there with his head and everything <laughs> That's awesome. um but uh good good movie nice. how about kingsman secret service absolutely oh. now how did i skip that i don't know i just saw it on my list too and thought wow we better talk about that um fun. really really fun yeah yeah um uh, really fun wants you to think it's a lot more violent than it actually is uh 
the Kentucky church scene notwithstanding. Yeah. Um, but I had a really, really good time with this. This is basically like if you took a James Bond kind of character or an organization and you follow the recruiting story and you amp the crazy up to 11. Um, and my only gripe with this movie is Samuel L. Jackson's casting. Yeah. Um, because uh, it annoys me. <laughs> and it's like somebody whispered in his ear, do a lisp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. love lisps. Yeah. They're funny. They're funny by nature. Um, but what's interesting is Mark Hamill plays a professor that's kidnapped in this movie, but the source material it's based on, it's actually Mark Hamill, the actor, that gets kidnapped. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think it's oh. a comic book or a graphic novel. And so they actually went out and got Mark, Mark Hamill <laughs> to be in the role, but then changed it from being Mark Hamill, the actor, to being this professor for some oh, reason. that's funny. So, anyway. yeah, the reason why it wasn't showing up for 2014 is that it came out in the U.S. February 2015. Motherfucker! Um, but now... It, it it came out in 2004. This is why I don't like the IMDb. It came out for that Buttonumathon festival that happens in Austin. Oh yeah, that's one show. That didn't mean it came out in 2014. And yet, here's what the IMDb does. They say it's a 2014 movie because it had that one show. Yeah, it drives me drives me absolutely nuts. Um, let me let me go through this box office thing real quick, and I'll see if there's anything else. Um. The theory of everything. Yeah, uh, that Eddie was Redmayne, right. Yeah, Eddie Redmayne plays uh, Bill Gates. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 he plays Stephen Hawking, and uh, like uh, it's yeah, he is outstanding yeah. in this. I was really hoping Michael Keaton would win the Oscar in this in this Oscar race, but Eddie Redmayne was really fantastic. And, yeah, and it, more so than the movie is, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, yeah, the movie itself is just like any old biopic there. You have to like, okay, let's touch all the highlights of this guy's life. It's yep. almost like if Michael Keaton had won the Oscar that year, it would have been so meta given mm, yeah. that movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're ready to vote. All right. Vote in time. Vote in time. Vote T in time. Today's order is Chris, Barrett, and Jeremy. Hey, 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 hey. All right. Oh. Um, well, uh, it should come no surprise. I said Edge of Tomorrow is one of the best movies of this decade, so it's one it's the best movie this year for me. Uh-huh. Um I I think this movie's so clever, so entertaining, and again, I mean, it, it's it's an amazing feat to me that tom cruise given all of his uh outside of his hollywood career baggage that he has can still go into a movie and basically just command that shit and and then you have emily blunt who's playing a character who you know you don't get to see women play very yep. often um but that she's you know they she plays a hero where like you know everybody reveres her yeah but she's the you know she's been through that's the you know, that's the thing she's been through this before and shit's how she got so good and everything but um man it's just a movie that i can watch over and over again now the <laughs> no the, pun intended that's right and and now the ending to this movie is a little bit on the bullshit side and then <laughs> yeah, i yeah. and i and and i hate how like after they after they cut out the part where like basically Cruz can die anytime he wants to in this movie once he can't do that anymore suddenly he survives everything yeah and like the whole ending of it where like you know they i won't go too far into it that was a bunch of bullshit too but uh other than that though like just solid extremely good movie all the way through and i'm, I'm picking up yeah Man, I love Birdman so much. Uh, I really wanted to make that my pick, but I have to vote for one of my favorite movies of all time, and that's Whiplash. Mm -hmm. um, Jeremy mentioned it before that it's such a unique premise in a in a 
kind of niche yeah. um, environment. I actually told a, a friend of mine who's a drummer, a rock drummer. I was like, oh, you should see this movie. He's like, I hate jazz. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> no, man, it's not about that. Uh, so if, if everybody could watch this movie, uh, I would totally recommend it. Uh, I, c- I can watch it anytime and, and enjoy it every time. So that's my pick. There are a lot of uh, there are a lot of movies that I considered for this year. Mm-hmm. You know, the Raid Two came out this year. Yep, I do take my dick out for that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going Whiplash because ah. it's such a powerful movie. Whip- yeah, well, Whiplash surprise winner. By the way, I <laughs> thought we were going several rounds on this. I'm sorry. There's so many different. Movies my, that you my, could pick. My second you pick dicks. Would, yeah. <laughs> my second pick would have been Lego Movie. If that tells you the kind of that year was that my we had. second one too. Uh, Whiplash is just good drama with uh, some really surprising gut punches at the end. There are three or four points in this movie where you think you've got it figured out what it's trying to be. Like even that scene where they meet in the bar and the, yeah. the, he's been fired and I'm like, oh, they're going to bond over their passion for music. Nope, not necessarily. <laughs> um, I just love it. And uh, I tried, I, I made my wife watch it and she was so mad at me because of that ending. Like, she didn't come away with any euphoria from that ending, even though oh, I really? did. She came away with mostly just the negative stuff that you feel just before the euphoria. Uh-huh. Um, she was mad at me for making her watch that. So. <laughs> anyway, um, it's going to be Whiplash. I'm sorry, Chris. Nice. No, it's okay. Um, I love Whiplash, and it would have been somewhere in my list as well. Uh, as I probably would have gone Birdman on my second pick, and then maybe Whiplash after that. But I'm totally fine with Whiplash winning as it's a great movie. Uh, there are a couple I wanted to mention just as a side piece. These aren't going to be movies that win or anything. The Babadook came out in 2014. Oh, yeah. uh, a lot of people love that. It's Huge following. Yeah, I, I think it's got like a couple of moments in it. For me, it's not great throughout. Mm-hmm. I think I love the way he they do that sort of that stop motion yep. type of thing with the with the actual Babadook that's in there. And it makes things really creepy when mm-hmm. that happens. Uh, wasn't a big one for me, but another one is the drop. Uh, oh, Tom, Tom Hardy and James Gandolfini in his last movie. Um, uh, the drop is a big recommend for me. I think that's a that's a just a fantastic movie with great performances in it and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, you want to do some questions? Ah. Let's do some questions, man. Question, question. I got something to say. I am listening. What are some movies that you guys are ashamed that you never saw? Um, I assume Chris has the smallest list of all of us, and Jeremy has a pretty small list, uh, too. Uh, Mine are classic movies like The Maltese Falcon I've never seen. Um, I want to. I -hmm. would love to, but I just never really got around to loading that up and and just letting it fire. But uh, I hear it's wonderful. Yeah, it's good. I haven't seen it in forever, but... Um, yeah, good. Humphrey Bogart is, uh, at his, uh, the height of his Bogartness. <laughs> he is bogarting all over the place. He is bogarting completely. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, I think I've seen that movie twice and I don't know if I would say, yes, rush out and watch that, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the other one that I think Jeremy loves is, I had, I've never seen The Sting. Oh, yeah, man, oh, The man. Sting. Now, The Sting is a movie I can tell you. You must watch this movie. You will yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, that's that's one of those that I'll probably like before the week is out. As I was thinking about these, I was like, God, what did I yeah, never do I've that? got a copy of it right in there. I'm gonna grab it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna go one old, one new. Okay. Um, I have still not seen last year's Spotlight. 
Oh, oh okay. wow! Which I believe won Best Picture. Yes, it did. That's and one that you should run out and see. I think. But this is about the Catholic Church stuff. Yep. That's that's what's held me off. But I'm, it's it's more about the news yeah. than it is about. The, it's not sleepers, right? No. You know. <laughs> <laughs> which you should not run out and see yeah exactly oh, oh brad renfro where are you yeah um so i still have seen that it's actually been sitting on my desk for six months i just haven't gotten to it yet mm-hmm. and then uh i'm gonna go even older school on you and say uh i have never seen gone with the wind oh and really i hope i never do that's insane interesting my wife loves it and everything that she says that's good about it makes it sound terrible to me like mm-hmm. what uh, pretty dresses. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> it's not about pretty dresses. Yeah, it's definitely not about pretty dresses. Um, um, Old timey <laughs> accents. No, no, no. It just no. doesn't appeal to me at all. That's, that, that's just that's not cool. That's not cool. The 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 movie itself. Now, I I do think that Gone with the Wind probably overrated over time. Um, and of course it's got, was like the Jim Ridley used to write in the Nashville scene, the greatest old grand old depiction of slavery there is, yeah. ever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but no, the movie is, is very good. The problem with, that I would say with an audience today is the movie's four hours long. Right. Um, it is hard to tell somebody to commit that kind of time to a movie. And, and when you're watching it, you're just kind of like, yeah, if they made that today, it would still, it would be two hours. Yeah. They wouldn't, they wouldn't like spend the part one and two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they wouldn't sit there and spend like so much time on all these things, but it's a gorgeous movie with, uh, you know, Vivian Lay is really good in it and Clark Gable's great in yes, it. Yes, he is. And, uh, and I would, I would say that forget the whole thing about the pretty dresses <laughs> and the accents. <laughs> Uh, watch it for like, just general good movie. This is making. not going to endear me anymore to you, uh, but like I, I put it in the same place in my mind as the movie version of Oklahoma, <laughs> for no good reason. Mm-hmm. Every every conception you have about this movie is wrong. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure, I've no doubt, but uh, I still have no interest. Uh, maybe one day when I have a free four hours. But, yeah. Uh, all right, Chris, give us yours so we okay. can mock you, too. Well, yeah, there's one on here for sure that you'll mock me for. And I got four, like, big classics that I've never seen. But uh, the one movie that has been talked about several times on this podcast that I've never seen is Scrooged. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's uh, crazy. And I have a copy of it, too. I have it in, I have it in this extensive Blu-ray collection that we have. Uh, I never seen it. I, and when it came out, I remember wanting to see it, and I didn't see it then. And then, and then, like, yeah, and all through, I never heard anybody love Scrooge as much as you do, by yeah. the way. So there's never any point. There was never anybody saying, you got to watch Scrooge. It's really towards the latter half of, like, the past few five to ten years that i've started hearing people love scrooge yeah because it's this whole bill murray renaissance yeah, that's yeah. Going on. and uh so i will watch it i will probably watch it very soon in fact because i do have a copy yeah. of it um <laughs> and it's still holiday. technically christmasy yeah time yeah ish um there are I'll, I'll i'll mention all four of them briefly uh four classic movies i haven't seen that are in the afi's top 100 and i looked at the afi's top because i was actually struggling to find movies <laughs> that i hadn't seen um but uh and 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 the afi 100 i've probably seen 90 of those movies um the the four that stood out were sunset boulevard which i know you've seen oh yeah um on the waterfront uh the 1959 ben-hur 
and Coal Miner's Daughter, which is not on the AFI 100, but I put it on this list because uh, being from Tennessee yeah. and everything, and it's Loretta Lynn and everything, and I know Sissy Spacek and Timing Lee Jones are amazing in it, and I've seen parts of it, but I've never seen it all the way through, and that's one that I'm embarrassed that I haven't seen. I think out of that list on the waterfront should be at the top of it. I would to, say to Ben Hur. So. Oh, yeah? Just because of the accomplishment of some of those scenes for when they made them. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are action movies today that don't do it as well as they did like That's true. Yeah. 60, 70 years ago. Mm-hmm. But it's long, and it's not always entertaining. Right. Um, and so I have never seen On the Waterfront, so I can't direct you that direction well, either. Mm-hmm. On the Waterfront is a masterclass in directing. That was Elliot Kazan. Elliot Kazan, yeah. Uh, and if you want to see... Yeah, cause because he's an angel. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Um, but if you want to be reminded of what a different class of acting Marlon Brando was in that that's your movie right there because it and of course this is when he was all like you know jacked up as a boxer and everything it could have been a contender yeah and uh, it the I actually saw this recently it was on TCM I think and just the his acting is unbelievable in this it, it takes you to a different place it's like watching Daniel Day-Lewis in his prime well yeah like well, that's the thing about Brando and why he's so revered is that when Streetcar Named Desire came out people were like whoa whoa we we were used to this way of acting this Cary grant jimmy stewart who are great by yep. the way we that's they, i mean there's nothing wrong with what they're doing but everybody's like doing this like sort of like i don't know just this happy like yeah hyper extended of, yeah. yeah and uh and and brando comes in he's so real and raw and everything and that's where that all starts we start to see more naturalistic acting mm. in movies and everything and um but yeah that's uh, that's one that uh you know unfortunately so never seen it yeah uh what are your favorite characters that aren't the villain aren't the main threat but are evil and insufferable jackasses mm. in the best way mm. uh the example that they give is percy wetmore from the green mile yeah uh, which is very interesting mm-hmm. uh who doesn't really pose any I mean, he indirectly affects it, but uh, isn't the primary antagonist. Right, yeah. So what do you think? Um, uh, you know, it didn't take long for me to think up Edward Norton and Rounders. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> he fucks everything up. He fucks everything up. <laughs> and Matt Damon is so loyal to him and keeps, like, bailing him out of all these situations until finally Norton uh, is actually putting his name on the line. But, man, this the... Uh, the 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 scene that makes you just want to kill him in this movie like not punch him but just kill him is he's he gets damon in on this cop game that he's like winning yep. he's winning it there's no there's he doesn't need any help or anything and he's close to getting and the he's money very that he close needs. to getting the money he <laughs> needs and then suddenly you hear hey, is that an elk? And it's Edward Norton coming in because he met some cop at a bowling alley and he and he's bringing him into the game and everything. And it's just like, dude, Worm, could you just like continue bowling yeah. for like five minutes <laughs> and not fuck this up? And uh, and and but no, it's, it's not just that. He's he just doesn't know when to quit. He he's getting his ass beat and he's still a smart ass all the way through it. He's like, He's like Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool yeah. without the without the superpowers. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, man, I just that's the one I Im- immediately gave to. Good call. Uh, I have two that I want to talk about: uh, Malfoy and uh, Harry Potter movies. Oh yeah. yeah, 
not the main antagonist, but always kind of a thorn in yeah. Harry Potter's side. And then the other one, I went to Biff in Back to the Future. Oh, great one. Yeah. Who's the bully, and he is an antagonist. Mm. But the real antagonist about these movies is always time. Yeah. Right? yeah. Racing against time, and he's just a, a, another impediment that gets put in yeah, between. Yeah, and he's them. not really a guy who's, like, preventing him from going back. Right. It's yeah. just right. that, he, yeah, he's just a, a guy that he wants to... I mean, he's going to try to change through all this, but that's, that's about it. Yeah. But I like that pick. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. Inspired by our recent video uh, for Die Hard 2 is Dennis Franz's yeah, character. Yeah, man, what a what a <laughs> what an unbelievable dumbass. Every step of the way, he is fucking with John McClane. Yeah. Trying to just derail things. And it's things, for no reason. Just missing anything that he says. The movie just needs a naysayer, basically. Yeah. And it, they give all those lines to him. But yeah. you would you would have thought that somewhere in there, he it, there would have been a scene where, like, you know, like maybe McClane, like, uh, imprisoned his cousin or something <laughs> like that. Like, that, that they would have explained it a little bit. But instead, it's just like, oh, yeah, I know you're from that Nakatomi thing. And I should believe what you say. But fuck you. You're John McClane. And I hate you. Lobby security. Get this guy out of here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, he's awful. And the other one I thought about was Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight. No, oh, yeah. Um, because obviously Joker is the main antagonist mm -hmm. there. And he's kind of just thrown in at this, when he becomes Two-Face, obviously, he's thrown into this situation to just kind of exacerbate things mm -hmm. and just kind of, you know, make things, if he didn't exist, you'd still have this wonderful story about uh, Joker versus Batman yeah. and everything and the decisions that he made and everything. But uh, yeah, he just kind of is in there just fucking with people and shooting mm -hmm. them and kidnapping people and everything. So yeah, that's yeah. my business. <laughs> All right. Uh, in light of Wes Anderson announcing that he's making an animated film, what director would you most like to see branch out into the animated realm? Oh, well, I I wrote down Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because he's got a, a few different visual flares he's used over the years, and he's tackled different genres and different topics, large casts, small casts. I think animation is one of the only things we haven't seen him do. Yeah. That or an outright slapstick comedy um and so and just visually i have no idea what that would look like yeah. and i kind of want to yeah and so that's why i went with him yeah you know you could say anybody like a prestige director could be could direct an animated movie and make it interesting but typically when you're looking at animation you want something to be fun and funny and entertaining and that kind of thing in the sense of like a pixar movie yeah and i think danny boyle could do it um just because he's he's shown whimsy before, mm -hmm. you know, and he could do like a almost like a kid centric yeah. thing because he's nailed everything he's done yeah. from horror to uh, action to you know it, dramas and things like that. Drugs. I think he could drugs. Yeah, I think he could totally kill like a Pixar style illumination whatever uh, animated movie, mm -hmm. and I think it'd be super entertaining. Hmm. Yeah, good call. Uh, I went with Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, nice. good one. Um, because I just, once you watch stuff like Children of Men <laughs> and when you watch Gravity and when you watch, even in his early days, uh, A Little Princess, mm -hmm. uh, those movies are beautiful. Yeah. And I feel like he could make an animated feature that is just something we've never seen before. <laughs> kind of like what Linkletter did with, yeah. you know, Waking Life and all that. I feel like you could he could get into sort of a different kind of thing. Well, and that, technically, 
from a technical standpoint, gra- gravity was so much CG, right? That he's mm-hmm. already kind of shown <laughs> that he can work with some kind of animated element and still tell a gripping story. I like that pick a lot. Yeah, yeah he's he'd be like inventing stuff to make it six dimensional. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, he really I, experience it. He it, would Wachowski that shit. It, 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 it might actually be a case where three D would be worth it too. I yeah. mean, it's just I feel like he's such an inventive filmmaker that you uh, he's you got to put him in something like that. Of course, this is a kind of question that like I could go off on like so many different directors. I want to see doing other genres and everything. Yeah. Like that. yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Nice. Pick. If you could go to one concert of a fictional musical artist from movies, who would you go see? Hmm. Okay. Um, now it says one. Yeah. Damn it. Oh, just pick however many. I know. I know. I was going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, Barrett, who's going to go last because he has all the best ones. <laughs> yeah, Barrett stole you all can the play, Feel free because I'm actually not going to use any of those. You're not going to use any of those? <laughs> you rat fucker. I'll use maybe like one or two. I'll let Jeremy use them then because right. I'm I'm going to just go ahead and go with what I had. But um, all right. I, I actually picked a few bands on this one um, because Barrett stole everybody. Uh, anyway, I'm going to go. Uh, I said I'm going to think with my dick here. <laughs> And I'm going to go Crucial Taunt yes! from Wayne's World. I love that. <laughs> and, and the Dunedin Room Blitz. Tia Carrere back in the 90s. Am I right? Tia Carrere, am I right? Camera one, oh camera two. Oh, my God. Um, and I even want to see the band that they mention later in the movie. Well, actually, before they go in to see Crucial Taunt, the shitty Beatles. <laughs> and they say that they suck. And yeah. I want to see it. I want to see that band. Just because of their name, I want to see that band. Perfect name. Um, I also picked uh, because we mentioned I mentioned Frank earlier. I want to see that band. Yeah. Um, and especially because there's a really good song in there. I want to see more of it. Um, also, a movie that came out earlier this year called Sing Street, mm-hmm. which had a bunch of kids playing. That it's back in the '80s, so they're playing this '80s synth type music and ah. everything watch them in concert that would be awesome because they because they shoot a music video that's very clever in this in this Ah. it's just very funny and everything and i would love to see them just you know just jam it wouldn't be wouldn't they probably wouldn't be great but it'd be awesome (laughs) all right so i'm gonna go ahead and take still water uh almost famous that barrett had threatened to take but i'm stealing it now uh because this first of all they rock. Mm-hmm. The the few chances we get to see them perform on stage, that's a tight band. Yeah. Um, and they're also a pseudo Zeppelin mm-hmm. type stand in band. Uh, they actually reference Zeppelin in the movie, but this is supposed to be kind of like Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, never had a chance to see that band mm-hmm. in their heyday mm-hmm. live. And I just think uh, a 70s rock concert would fucking rule. Yeah. yeah. And I was only I was five when the 70s went away. I hadn't gotten a chance to go to any rock concerts right. in the 70s. So uh, that, that would be my first pick. My other one is a heart pick, and it's uh, the O'Neaters from that movie, <laughs> nice. a.k.a. the Wonders. <laughs> Just because, uh, again, I've never been to a 50s, 60s era sock hop style <laughs> right. dance concert before. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So two different ones from this century, actually, because I, I, what I threw out was like Citizen Dick from singles mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but I would I would love to see Sex Bob-omb yeah. from, uh, from Scott Pilgrim versus the World because it's just so raw yeah. and punky and that kind of thing. But my overwhelming pick, more that I thought about it last night, would be the Soggy Bottom Boys. Oh, uh, yeah. Because Jesus. that seems like a fucking awesome, fun 
concert to go to. You think about it. Those guys had never sung together at all, had mm-hmm. never done anything as a, a quartet before. And they sit down and just fucking rip out that track. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Johnson's character, the the guitarist, yeah. is just is just killing it. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be awesome to see those. Yeah, yeah. and none of us said um, Spinal Tap. Oh yeah, which is weird because you uh, think one of us would. Yeah, would've, that would be a pretty cool experience. And you know what? Especially if the drummer explodes. I I, I <laughs> admit that that sucks. We didn't say that. So yeah, we would go watch Spinal Tap for sure. Yeah, totally. That's and our collective. One pick. of the things about Spinal Tap is that they actually have great songs mm-hmm. it's kind of like i mean now spinal tap does play in real life too even though it's it's one of those weird things they're not they didn't make the band and then make a movie about it or yeah. whatever um it kind of reminds me of like tenacious d tenacious yeah. d's a real band but the, the it was a fictional band first yeah it's so uh so yeah i'd like to see tenacious d and you can see tenacious d every yes. once in a while so uh, but anyway, yeah, that's a good pick. You love clogging? <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you got one more? Dude, I'm on? totally into clogging. <laughs> all right. Who is the most underrated actor or actress of all time? For example, a great example. Should I say the example? Go for it. This person gives us Kevin Bacon as an example. And it's perfect. Very good. Very good. It's pick. perfect. He uh, He hardly ever gets credit for, even in A Few Good Men, where he's amazing. Yeah. But there's so many people in that that I mean, and that's that's the reason why there's a Kevin Bacon game. He's so, in so many movies with a huge cast in it, and he always seems to sort of like blend in. Whatever. It's hard though for him to do. It's hard for an actor to do that type of stuff that he does. Yeah. And he, yeah, he's never like at a point where he has some showy role or whatever. Occasionally he does. Like mm-hmm. Murder in the First, I think he really tries to like be that like a yeah. different character or whatever but i forgot all about that movie um yeah it's not a great movie but he stir of echoes yeah stir, like yeah. yeah he's he, awesome i mean he's yeah. he's always he's always playing some sort of kevin bacon you know whatever <laughs> and, and even in uh the movie um the woodsman he plays uh a, a, you know a very oh, yeah, yeah. different kind of character but he's still very much kevin bacon in it um but uh but yeah that's a good one because i don't think he ever gets credit and he's been good enough i think to get oscar nominations he's never been nominated oh it's crazy yeah wow even in stuff like mystic river and all that that got everybody nominated he yeah. didn't get nominated is that your pick no oh uh <laughs> i thought you just said hey is it okay to <laughs> no, and sorry. so we started talking about him and whatever uh i mentioned i mentioned him before john goodman's the exact yeah. same way now goodman has probably been good enough at least four times that i can remember where he should have well he could have been nominated i think at least two times where he should have been nominated and that was the flight and mm. uh, argo year um but goodman is universally beloved he's kind of like paul giamatti in a way uh but he hardly ever gets the credit he deserves in these things and he and yeah a lot of times he's playing a different version of goodman or whatever but he plays different characters the difference between his character in barton fink and the big lebowski and flight and argo are different enough to say this guy is a great actor he does not get the credit that he deserves so John Goodman to me is one of the most underrated actors. Nice. I misread the question and didn't hear the of all time at the end when I made. So I wrote down a bunch of like character actors. People don't know the names. Well, of. I'm the same way. I was the same way about this question. And I think of all time kind of limits you. And I think you just go with whatever you want. Well, I, I'm going to go with Stanley Tucci, who's not on my list. Uh, and I think the reason I think he's underrated is that he slums a lot yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah he'll be in a transformers movie he movie here or there but i 
much like you were just saying with Goodman, I have seen him play so many uh, so many different types of people: authentic mm-hmm. Italian chef, uh, gay fashion magazine <laughs> mentor, uh, and he just every time he's great. The the dad in Easy A, he's just he kills it. And unfortunately, the only Oscar nomination Stanley Tucci has ever gotten is for the Lovely Bones. <laughs> for what? <laughs> the Lovely Bones. Oh, <laughs> Jesus! The Lord. only nomination is for that movie. <laughs> That's a shame. Oh, he's great in road to perdition uh, he plays nitty um i just I, I love that guy i'm always happy to see his face on screen yeah I don't me think he too gets much he, love. yeah he's fantastic yeah. average citizen moviegoer probably doesn't even know his name yeah that's true uh i'm gonna go with samuel l jackson mm. um well th- there's two of them actually that, that came to mind it was samuel l jackson and gwyneth paltrow mm-hmm. and i think they're both revered for their talent but they're they've done so much and they've built up this this kind of image that overshadows their actual abilities Mm. their actual acting and samuel l jackson when you look at him in hateful eight Mm -hmm. i thought that was an all-time classic performance another guy who's great when he's with tarantino exactly but i mean even in silly movie like black snake moan or in uh something like a time to kill where he just he can really do nuanced. He doesn't yell all the time. Even in Pulp Fiction, at the beginning of that movie, he starts that performance so quietly. Yeah. And he ends it quietly. Yeah. Um, and I, I just really think that he gets overlooked for that kind of thing. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, I think, had that reverence early on in her career about her acting ability, but then mm-hmm. she kind of just became a celebrity first and yeah. an actress uh, second. So. And a mommy blogger. A goop. A goop, a gooper. She and, became a goop, and sort of to you know tie in with your Samuel L. Jackson thing, including the movies that he's got coming out. He has 168 credits on the IMDb. That is insane. He's just in everything, and so it waters down his overall and everything. And when you see him in Pulp Fiction, and uh, you see him in Jungle Fever, and you see him in and uh, Do the Right Thing, and all mm-hmm. that stuff, he's great in those. But then once he started kind of being a for hire paycheck actor mm-hmm. and everything. A lot of the good stuff, you know, runs by the wayside. Of course, we in this very episode also talked about Kingsman, how he's not good in yeah, that. Yeah. The, the whole and also, I almost brought up another 2014 movie called Big Game. Oh, <laughs> this yeah. This is worth a watch, even though it's terrible. Basically, it's like somewhere in, like, think Norway in its huge abandoned woods at a father has sent his son off, 13 years old, to go kill a bear or some bullshit coming-of-age thing for this kid. But also the President of the United States has to bail out of his jet and lands in that same forest, and then he and the kid must work together to get away from the people trying to kill the President, and so on and so forth. Samuel L. Jackson plays the President. (laughs) This is one of those movies that looks like it was financed in Eastern Europe, Um, and it's worth watching just for the craziness. It's insane. Um, there was another actress, by the way, uh, that I I thought of when I did it, but then I saw the of all time thing, and yeah. I had to, I sort of changed it. Uh, one actress that I think is is great, but has fallen by the wayside, is Anna Ferris. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I think she's got the comedic chops of just about anybody, and something now yeah she was in all these scary movies and that sort of waters down yeah what but that doesn't that doesn't show how talented she is and uh, you know and i and as i see like Kristen wig who i adore and everything going in all these big movies and everything it's like you could put her in in some of these and she would shine and and just recently she was in that movie keanu playing mm-hmm. herself 
and like sort of just like uh sort of making fun of in a way hollywood and her treatment of her and everything and i was sitting there thinking like yeah i mean there's some there's you're taking some stabs but there's some truth there to that too and so i think she would be great i i I wonder sometimes i don't i I don't really care about personal lives and everything but she's married to chris pratt yep and i and i wonder like you know what is it like at that household that guy is the it guy and (laughs) she used to be sort of an up-and-coming it girl and everything and well she's got that sitcom the mom or whatever yeah, it's yeah. been running a few seasons i think it gets good ratings and yeah. good reviews and so maybe she, maybe she just focused i know they've had a couple kids yeah yeah yeah. so maybe it's something about the sitcom life versus shooting a bunch of movies that allows her to spend more time with her kids yeah. she also has a podcast that she uh records in her living room apparently really? and it's very popular wow huh. yeah who knew well anyway i i think that she should be in more movies yeah, so, yeah, whether totally. it's by her choice or oh, not she's hilarious you know, i i love her so anyway well, that's going to be it for this one. Uh, keep going to SoundCloud and giving us your thoughts. I love the interaction uh, with you people. I mean, it's just we we have regulars, we have conversations, we have calls, we have responses. Got some good natured ribbing about mm-hmm. the uh, uh, our sponsorship uh, last week. Yeah, as as uh, <laughs> I'm, I I think we all expected, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's fine. Yeah, keep yeah, it up, keep yeah, it up, baby. keep it up, and uh, yeah, just sock it to us, sock on- it to us, baby. Uh, but anyway, that'll be it for this week. It is uh, Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott, and Barrett Sher. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Let's just all say it was great. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, no, God. Man. Oh, no. Um, I love when he reads the list and just says no. <laughs> like there's a lot of exactly which terrible um, movie he just passed. The, it was, uh, <laughs> there's a, several, several movies in the 90s that are just swirled into my head there. <laughs> um, uh, was it the title? I didn't think he did that in this movie. A lot at all. of Ryan Gosling movies people think are good or not I, good. That's yeah. What, that's what it's <laughs> and, um, you know, I read it, but he didn't say much about La La Land. He just said more about Ryan Gosling. And I was just like, this feels like bullshit. If you're, if you're, if you're not, if you say that La La Land is bad and then you don't have any reasons other than Ryan Gosling does the usual Ryan Gosling stuff, I feel like you clickbaited an article. No, yeah. absolutely. Cause I actually don't like ryan gosling like mm-hmm. I, I don't enjoy his performances it's that like affected brooklyn accent that he uses mm-hmm. but this movie he didn't do that like every once in a while like you know in the dinner scene and all that stuff like he'll he'll kind of slip back into it but he was like super charming and everything in this movie but yeah i i um i also saw the movie passengers <clears throat> when i was uh i heard it's a disappointment it kind of is the first hour of it i really like it because uh-huh. it it explores i don't want to go into too much spoiler about it i know what happens you know what happens so barrett you know what happens uh i don't but i'm not gonna see it in the theater i don't think so um i'm good with no spoilers luke's father is actually darth vader she's the sister and the daughter no 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 i'm reading the books
Well, it's not like what the trailer leads you to believe where he and, and she wake up at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's just him for a year. Oh. And then he decides to open her hibernation chamber. And um, and so it actually brings up a, like a pretty good moral dilemma issue yeah. and everything. And I thought that was cool. Did he? And then they up? sort of make it like it's all okay because if he didn't, then he she would have died because uh, blah 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 blah. And I'm just like, oh, I don't like it when you when you put something where somebody's clearly wrong for doing what they did, and then later say, well, it was a good thing you did it because that's results oriented, man. Yep, exactly. The whole but the whole second half of it. Uh, I didn't like because just the way that I was hoping it was, it would be more about trying to get back into hibernation mm. and everything. But instead it's like the ship is in danger yeah. and they have to like go through all this action movie cliche yeah. bullshit to get the ship back and whatever. Lawrence Fishburne wakes up to be an ex machina basically. <laughs> nice. Nice. He should, I mean, he shows up. This is, cl- this is literally what happens. He wakes up. He happens to have all the keys to the things that they need to, that he hasn't been able to access for a year, and then he dies. Wow, <laughs> wow! Because he has six hundred and twelve different. It's the bu- most bullshittiest thing ever. He goes in this medical pod, and the pod tells him he's got six hundred and twelve different medical things that are wrong with him <laughs> that that they can't fix or whatever and like so he just goes off and dies and like oh well good thing you brought good thing you brought your keys and all your like you know your credentials and everything so that we can go into these areas of the ship i like how they they've changed the marketing now i saw a commercial the other day and it was like pure popcorn entertainment yeah that's that's the only critics quote that they put on there all the all the reviews i've read said it's a it's a a really interesting first hour and it devolves into just a standard action film in the second hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So somebody actually found a comic book um from ages ago, like talking like 50s sci-fi pulp comic book where the story is almost identical. Oh, really? Yeah. And they didn't credit it? No, I don't think so. Because we were talking about the controversy with Blue is the Warmest Color. Mm-hmm. That was a graphic novel. Oh, yeah. Wow. Did you know that? I did not. Nudity so- and everything? Uh, I don't know. But the funny thing was, because th- both of our assertions about the controversy were true, that Leah Sadu said that she was like, she felt like a prostitute and all that stuff. And then uh, she got into a war of words with the, the director. But then also the writer of the graphic novel came out and said, like, I don't know if any of the filmmakers have even met a lesbian. Because <laughs> this is not how mm-hmm. lesbians do things. Right, right. <laughs> The scenes are so graphic mm-hmm. that I was like, I, I mean, I guess they just they just got in there and did mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But apparently, they made silicon molds to nice. go over their genitals. Nice. That's the way you do it, man. That's the way you get it done. It's kind of like when I when I see uh, these like nude scenes that are some some sort of digital, uh, like that's the digital body. It wasn't really me. Yeah. Like. Yeah, but it's still kind of you, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it may not be. I mean, you may have kept your morals intact or whatever by not doing it, but aren't you still kind of doing that scene <laughs> in the end? It's like it's an uh, interesting conversation, well, right? 
Even that uh, girl on Game of Thrones did nude, then used a CGI nude, and then went back and did real nude. Yeah. The, it's, uh, it, there must be some Daenerys. sort of... There must be some sort of... Oh, really? She was nude in season six, and it was really her. There was a bunch of articles about it. And yeah. She had been naked in the first season. Yeah, she was super naked in the first season. And then, and then ever since then, it's been well, body she, doubles or she CG. She got tired of having to do that all the time. So, so she, she wa- it was her at first, and yep. then it wasn't, and, and then now she's and then Yeah, well, and then but the, she, she did it because it was a, an important scene and everything. But you know what's funny about that next one that she did, that one that she actually did? I was like, this is so obviously just her... And then they shot the people bowing and stuff yeah. around her later. Oh, she did it just like solo, you think? Yeah. No, no, I don't think. I know. Ah. <laughs> I, I knew when I saw it. Then I read it later when she was bragging about how she finally did this nude scene <laughs> again. She was by herself. And she's like, it's like, well, yeah, so producers took her to a, you know, a bunker or whatever. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's like, get to the nudity bunker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like 10 minutes of outtake material about nudity. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. We have classic. We don't have enough. We don't have enough nudity on this show.